And good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio NFL Draft tonight. We've made it. Now the question is, will we actually get the answers to the things that we care about around here? It's hilarious how in most years you get to the draft. And, like, you know it's kind of over at that point. For us in Baltimore, the draft is kind of just like a speed bump on what has been the actual journey of the offseason and dealing with the Lamar Jackson situation and maybe the, even the DeAndre Hopkins situation. We will figure all that out. lot to do on the program today. This hour we'll talk Ravens. We'll talk draft. Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer. Former Ravens receiver Derek Mason, now radio host down in Tennessee. We'll talk some draft with him. Also some DeAndre Hopkins, get his opinion on whether that's the route the Ravens should be going. Also this morning, uh, we'll make our weekly trip to Bowie. Chase McDermott, who came over. He was in the what, the Mancini deal last yes, year. Yes, the yep. Mancini. Uh, we'll catch up with him. Uh, Grant Billmeyer, former Maryland assistant, now the head coach at NJIT, is going to join us. And... Calvin Ford, of course, the uh, the coach for one Javante Davis from the Upton Gym. Calvin Ford will check in with us uh, and continue to celebrate the big win over Ryan Garcia. That's all coming up on the program today. We begin, of course, at the Lamar meter, and we try to decipher what it is that we make of our friend Rita taking the Twitter yesterday. Lamar Meters brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. So Rita goes to Twitter yesterday, and Rita has done this a few times over the years, and she's got a pretty good track record with it. They're telling us what it is that the streets are saying. She doesn't say she has sources. She just tells us what the streets are saying. Rita says yesterday on Twitter, all right, so the streets say a D-hop to the Ravens is close. Trying to figure out draft compensation and money structure to the cap. Hopefully this means Lamar deal is close to. I think most of us believe the only way to make a DeAndre Hopkins deal work is to get a Lamar Jackson deal done. She follows up, just streets talk, y'all. Time will tell. Then she said, now remember, I said close. It's not a done deal yet. I don't think we'll know for sure until tomorrow, but streets says it's real smoke, not a smoke screen. This, of course, comes on the heels of Pac-Man Jones having uh, labeled it a strong possibility. Now we got the streets talking. Is the streets or the streets? No, it's it very much the streets. It's the streets, okay. And Reed always gets her information from the streets. I want to make that abundantly clear. Pac-Man Jones is the one that goes with strong. Um, I have no idea what to make of any of it, but I also know that Reed has got a great track record on this, and so... I certainly don't think that you're down the road this far if Lamar Jackson's not your quarterback. So, highest reading in meter history. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. 97%. So, just because the meter's high doesn't mean we're necessarily close to, like, getting a final answer, right? Or, um, or does that or does that kind of play in? I, look, I think the most likely scenario is we see what plays out. If we find out about the Andre Hopkins deal tonight, then right. I think we're at essentially 100% at that point. I, I, we, it can't be 100% until the plane is landed, until a deal is done. But again, our belief is that the Andre Hopkins deal, it's very difficult to do it unless... You get a Lamar Jackson deal done. Now, is it possible that this is all just hopeful, right? Is it possible that 
there are those from either camp that are hopeful of getting a deal done and that something changes between now and then. Is it possible that you're doing all of this in an effort to appease Lamar Jackson? And Lamar Jackson says, right, remember, the way that you're going to appease me is by giving me the contract that I want and nothing else is going to appease me. But this is on the heels of the, uh, the SpongeBob meme. And as we talked about, there is sanctity to a SpongeBob meme. We, it just can't mean nothing. We don't. We refuse to believe. But SpongeBob memes are g- gifs are far too important to just be throwing out there for no reason whatsoever. Ninety-seven percent. Wow. Ninety-seven percent. Meter's gonna break. Now again, it feels like this is the moment, right? It feels like that we've reached the pinnacle of the NFL offseason. So, you hope that you get some sort of clarity. It's also possible the Ravens just draft a player tonight. Or just not draft a player tonight. Like, it's also possible that you don't get any clarity whatsoever and that we're all right back where we started from. I think that's the real hope from the Ravens fan base is that within the next 24 hours, we by the time we gather here tomorrow morning with Stan, that we're going to know something. It has felt like there's been this sort of crescendo and that this is supposed to be the moment. But remember, this is... Every time you think you have something figured out about the Lamar Jackson situation, you are reminded that you don't. That this is unlike anything we've ever dealt with. So if you think that you've been building towards something, it's quite possible you're going to end up being let down. And that the Ravens are either just going to trade out of the pick or just going to pick somebody. Just going to take whoever it's going to be at 22. We'll find out. But right now, all of the smoke, all of the trains are flowing in the direction of Lamar Jackson, at least for this season, being the Baltimore Ravens quarterback. The fact that they have remained entangled with DeAndre Hopkins, who again, reportedly, according to Mike Lombardi, Lamar Jackson told the Ravens, go get me Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins and we'll talk. The fact that the Ravens have remained entangled suggests they are doing everything. Everything. Short of, of course, giving Lamar Jackson $200 million worth of fully guaranteed money. They're not doing that part. But they're doing everything else they can to try to appease Lamar Jackson, either for the short term or perhaps for the long term. That part we don't know yet. Lamar meter, 97%. at this point. And I get to wear my Lamar Jackson jersey again. I think the real question becomes, somebody asked the, uh, yesterday, what, what at this point could happen to turn it the other way? Well, you guys know. I mean, like tonight, there could be a cryptic tweet the other way. They draft. There could be a, a shaking my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, or correct. They, they or if draft they, a corner. They dra- or if they draft Hendon Hooker. Then, <laughs> the, if they draft Hendon Hooker tonight, Lamar and me are going crash. <laughs> like, let's be fair. There are scenarios by which it goes the other way. We can only read into what we can read into. At the moment, it feels overwhelming, but that can all change. If they have pulled off. The, the smoke screen of all smoke screens over the course of the last few months, and tonight somehow Anthony Richardson slips to 22, which B- Bucky Brooks suggested this week could happen. Really? And they take Anthony Richardson. Oh, that number is going. 
significantly the other way. I mean, not towards zero, because there's still a scenario where Lamar plays in Baltimore this year, but it's going to change. Anything can change. We can only work with what we've got. And yes, since Odell Beckham, it is overwhelmingly trended towards the belief that Lamar Jackson is going to be the Ravens' week one starting quarterback. But there is always the possibility of something occurring that makes you think otherwise. But undoubtedly, the meter is moving uh, towards the idea that Lamar will be the guy for the Ravens in week one. So there you go. That's Lamar meter. Lamar meter brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma. To reflect your unique personality and driving habits, check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We're going to talk lots of uh, Ravens a sour. Quickly, the Orioles do wrap up the series of the Red Sox yesterday with a nice win. And Tyler Wells looked great. Oh, yeah. God, he looked like, uh, you know, there were moments last year where Tyler Wells looked like a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher. Yesterday, he looked like a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher, with the exception of, you know, how many pitches he threw in just five and two-thirds innings. That would be the only, his pitch economy was not great. You can, I, I don't remember what the number of pitches was. It was over 100 pitches, if I remember correctly, in just five and two-thirds innings. So outside of that, Tyler Wells looked excellent. And it was one of those weird days where the Orioles were not, like, you know, Homer happy or something. 102. 102. Yeah. Look, man, I mean, that's not – it. work five and two-thirds innings, I kind of don't care, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll live. If you deliver that performance over five and two-thirds innings against a solid lineup like the Red Sox have, I'm not going to be bothered by how many pitches you throw. But it's a shame because he was pitching well, and yet you still had to use a good bit of the bullpen yesterday – and you don't have an off day today. You've got to go right to Detroit and play again. Now the question, of course, becomes when you might have some some reinforcements coming in that bullpen. It's not going to be today, but you hope that at some point – if and again, also, the, I guess the reinforcements would be that you're facing the Tigers this weekend. Let me take that back. The real reinforcements should be that your starters should be able to work a little bit deeper. They should all go seven this correct, week. Correct, yeah. this week, because you're facing the Tigers. So let me scratch what I'm saying about reinforcements. That should be your reinforcement, is that you're facing the type of lineup in a pitching-friendly ballpark where you should be able to get a little bit more out of your starters. So that's the, the good news. Um, it, I saw a lot of people, as we commented yesterday, that Adley Rutschman, again, behind the plate for a day game after a night game, which is wild. Yeah. I saw our buddy Eric Arditi joking that um, they're going to try to have Adley Rutschman break Cal Ripken's record for consecutive <laughs> games played at some point. Um, Behind the plate. <laughs> I, like, I do I do think it's worth, you know, monitoring that. I think it's it's a lot. Um, you know, it's a lot. I mean, you got to trust Hyde, like Joe Sheen was saying By the way, you got to be careful. Rita didn't re- – don't call it a report. No, do we want to redo it? No, just, just follow it up. Follow it up. Again, just send out, say, we don't mean report. We mean, Rita's very clear about that. She's just passing along what she's hearing on the streets. She's not a reporter. She's just telling you what she hears. And I want to be careful because she's our friend. And I, I don't like when other people, like, say, also, there are a lot of people that apparently don't know who Rita is. Somebody, somebody I think SB Nation wrote up and literally just used her Twitter name, Reet Manfred. According to 1057, the fans, Reet Manfred. God, God, 
I just want to be careful about that. We don't use the word report when it comes to that. She's very clear. It's from the streets. That's where she's getting her information. Um, anyway, the point of this being, Orioles got a very good win and continue to win series. And that's, I think, all you can ask for at the moment when they have this little dip in you know, competition over the last couple of weeks. You wanted to see them continue to stockpile wins in that stretch to try to build up for the rest of the season. So that's my my hope is that they're doing that. And they are, look, I think I saw they were, with the, what was it, three and a half games behind the Rays? Remember the Rays were going to run away with the division. The Orioles are within three and a half games. It's, I know that's not, like, you'd say, hey, it's April 27th. Why the hell do you care? Well, remember, the Rays ran and hid from everybody. There was going to be no catching the Rays this year. And it didn't take very long. It did not take long at all for all of a sudden the Orioles to find themselves right back in the conversation. All good things. All good and pleasant things. So, yeah, three and a half games. As they said, it's 16-8 and eight, headed towards Detroit. Tonight, uh, they open that series in Detroit. Kyle Gibson on the mound against Joey Wentz at 6.30, which is nice that it starts early, so you have the opportunity to watch some of that before you start looking at the draft. In fact, the game almost certainly will be over before the Orioles make a pick tonight. Those are... The Ravens. That's what I meant. That's totally what I meant. And for some reason, I said the Orioles, who won't make a pick until (laughs) much later in the year. (laughs) A lot going on. A lot going on. And I apologize for that. Yes, I have no idea why I suggested that it would be that the Orioles are making the pick. Not a whole lot else to say. I, I mean, really, there isn't much else to say other than it was a nice little victory. I don't think there was anything controversial. Ramona Rios had a nice day. Ryan McKenna. Ryan McKenna contributing, McKenna. right? Like, what a wild world we live in when Ryan McKenna's contributing. Ah, fail. Uh, you know what? There is. We have to. Yenny or Cano gave up an effing base Oh, runner. my God. I know. He's. I mean, Get his ass off the team. Good thing he's got options. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to do? He that, allowed, that answers the question of which guy is gone. He allowed a base runner. He's trash. You can't have that. Base runners? One? No. Not around these parts. That's unacceptable. Get the hell out of here. It was shocking, Jeez. though. I know, yeah. When he had tied the record for the like most consecutive batters retired to start a season in Orioles history with... I can't even remember the guy's yeah, name. It was, it was everybody. Everybody uh, was tweeting about him yesterday. Uh, Fred Holdsworth, the great Fred Holdsworth, he ties um, with 24 consecutive batters, and then the next guy, he hits, he plunks. <laughs> yeah. Justin Turner, pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, maybe he felt the 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 power of the moment, yeah. the significance of matching the legend, Fred Holdsworth, and he just couldn't handle the pressure there weak weak fraud <laughs> fraud in here no puts a runner on base shame 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 but uh yeah contributions from a lot of unexpected places yesterday as the orioles get that 6-2 win over the red sox to win the series for those of you that have asked i don't really have anything else to say about the orioles they continue or as i mentioned they head on to detroit tonight uh for those of you that have asked we will not be doing a typical draft show. There's a bunch of reasons for it. I would say ultimately blame me. But just just heck? blame me. Um, I, I'm literally at the period. Although ironic, I went from next week it looked like I was going to have about five lacrosse games. Unfortunately, a few results 
have led to the more likelihood that I'm only going to have one next week. But I had, in this stretch where I've had like multiple weeks where I've had like six side jobs every week. And it's just a lot. And so I was not prepared. This is my only night off this week. And so I was just not prepared for it. It caught up on me. Um, I, blame it all on me. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie affair. Blame it on me. Blame it on the al 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 alcohol. Blame it on the al 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 alcohol, right? But really blame it on me. What we'll do instead, I'm going to hop on with the boys from uh, Exit 52 somewhere, I think, in the 8 p.m. hour. I'll join them on their broadcast, and I don't know what we're going to do over there, but if it's not involving Arditi finally, finally paying off his penance and eating a prison pizza, then I'm not sure I'm ever going to be able to do it again. What's what's a prison pizza? Uh, prison pizza is using you you bake like you dry out funyuns like it's taking everything that you could find in a prison commissary and somehow making a pizza out of it. We found it on uh, on the old interwebs and we said, well, that sounds <laughs> the old disgusting. dark web. Or? Sounds like a bet. <laughs> sounds like a bet. And so we use it as a bet. Uh, Eric lost the bet and then he ghosted us. He was like, ah, the funny thing about that is, guys, I'm just always so busy between ten and two this every day. This had to be like over Not a year. Gonna, oh, it was like two years ago. Oh my I want to say. Um, so we didn't do this year's uh, typical MLB draft bet because er- Eric ruined the bit by not paying off the bet. So I really should disown the man. I should never <laughs> talk to him again. But like, probably. I, I don't know how to handle this because I like him. I am really angry about the fact that he is that he is just completely welched on this bet. Like that really bothers me greatly because we like to pay things off. You better get on Stecka, by the way. You better start getting some answers from him okay. about when he's he, coming back. He's at least said, he's like, I'm coming out at some point. Oh, and yeah. he's he's done it twice, so like I believe him, yeah. but I need a date. I need okay. to know when that's going to be that he pays off his bet, too. Um, anyway, I'm going to join those guys in the 8 p.m. hour. And then Ken and I are going to hop on Pressbox's Facebook page tonight. So Stan is off tonight. Stan and Gary are off. But at some point during the night... KZ and I will jump on Pressbox's Facebook page sometime around either when the pick is coming up or after the pick or after they don't make a pick or something like that. We will hop on Pressbox's Facebook page. So stay tuned. We'll let you know. We'll jump on Twitter and say, hey, going to wander over there. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports for a Project Game Day draft uh, special of some sort. That's what we'll do uh, tonight as we will... You know, just chat. That's all. It won't be a show. It won't be the thing that you love, your live reaction. We had some fun, by the way, on TikTok this week. Uh, Charles had us go over some of my uh, worst draft takes over the years. So just every single one. I, I, I'm going to let you find out on TikTok because one of them bothers me that you still try to, to get on me about. It is complicated. Just go over to TikTok. TikTok.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. We uh, looked over some uh, past draft takes over the years, so you can go find it there right now, again, on our TikTok page. <sighs> I'm not proud. I'm not proud of certain things that have been said over the years, but tonight, that'll be the play. Again, I'll hop on with the Exit 52 guys early in the draft, and then around, somewhere around the 22nd pick, we'll uh, go ahead and we'll hop back on Pressbox's Facebook page, and KZ and I will react there. So that is the plan for the evening. Uh, for some reason, we had not muted number four. That was an <laughs> That was an issue. Apologize for whatever that noise was. All right, let's continue to talk some NFL draft this morning. Joining us now, he is our press box Ravens beat writer. He's our friend Bo Smolka, and he's back with us on GCR. Bo, good morning, my friend. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. It, I said it earlier this morning. It's a weird place where normally the draft is sort of like the, uh, I don't know, the crescendo or it's the main event of the off season. But in Baltimore, it almost feels like it's just sort of a side show right now because the real question I feel like we're asking isn't what are the Ravens going to do with 22. It's more. Are we going to learn something over the course of the next night or two that gives us clarity for the actual issues that have been facing the Ravens during the course of the offseason? And I feel like that, in every way, has kind of overwhelmed the discussion of what they might do with their actual draft picks. Yeah, you're right, and it probably is reasonable for that to be the case. They don't even know who their quarterback's going to be, and so obviously that's the issue. I mean, they like to think that Lamar Jackson will be their quarterback. They like to think there'll be some resolution. Um, and I, you know, I know there's chatter every day. There's been every chatter every day for months about it. And I, you're, you're exactly right. It's frustrating because at the same time that this has kind of dominated the headlines, as Eric Costa said, they have a draft to worry about, and they still have to get players, and that that doesn't change. So. They're in that room looking at their board, and they're going to be looking for their players, but this, this does kind of loom over all of it, and it, it has been at least a bigger storyline than anything related to the draft. Obviously, they are very good at making sure no one has any tangible information, so I'll be asking you opinion-based questions this morning, Bo, and I'll start with, before we get to the draft, the other thing that has lingered via Pac-Man Jones, our friend Rita this week, is the idea that the Ravens are perhaps still in on DeAndre Hopkins. And, of course, this is also related to a report from Mike Lombardi that Lamar Jackson told them, go get me Beckham and Hopkins and then we can talk. Well, the, the word is they are at least still amenable to that conversation. Who knows what actually happens? I'll ask this question. Do you think it makes sense, separated from whether or not it helps them with Lamar, if that wasn't a factor does it make sense to have two 30-plus-year-old wide receivers, even if one of them is DeAndre Hopkins, on the field? Is that the direction that the Baltimore Ravens should be going at the position? Well, it's interesting because my first thought was no. I mean, it just, I don't know, making it doesn't make sense, maybe too harsh. But I'm looking at it going, well, let's, say, let's just say for a minute they do get DeAndre Hopkins as well. Now where does that leave? Where's Rashad Bateman's head in all of this? Mm-hmm. And then even if you have Bateman and Beckham and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, have you completely changed the identity of your, of your team into a full-on passing attack when you know you have the most singular talented running quarterback in the history of the game? And are you kind of foregoing that now that you've got this group of receivers? Or are you simply saying, we're going to have all these receivers to complement what Lamar Jackson could do. Quite frankly, it strikes me that there's not going to be enough balls to go around to keep all these guys happy if that happens. And, and that includes Lamar Jackson. So I'm not sure. Uh, it seems to me, it, I mean, on paper, it's terrific. You'd be absolutely loaded offensively. But how that plays out, uh, I think would be very interesting to see. And, I, and I, I do question whether it would work as well as people think. It's weird, Bo, because I am not opposed to them still using, say, their first-round pick on a wide receiver, right? Like, I, I, I get that um, I know what you're saying. Hey, you're, you're almost completely wildly changing your identity. But at the same time, like, having depth at the receiver position and the extreme drop-off. I'm not trying to say I don't think there's any world where Duvernay or Prochet or Wallace could end up being a guy, but 
I can't, I, as much as we like Devin Duvernay and think that he should be a receiver, there is not any evidence that he's actually a quality NFL receiver to this point. So I, I, they need depth. They Injuries still happen in the NFL, right? Like, they need depth at the position. I just don't know that putting your eggs in the basket of specifically two guys that are both over 30 is the way to go about doing that. I agree with that, too, because I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do take a first-rounder, see, of having just said what I said, but I think there's a big difference between taking a 30-something-year-old DeAndre Hopkins and taking a 22-year-old Zay Flowers. Um, and you might be saying, well, you're crazy. Of course you're going to take DeAndre Hopkins. You absolutely would take him 100 times out of 100. Um, but you're looking three or four years down the road, and you also, let's face it, I know what, we, what they hope Odell Beckham will be, but there's no guarantee he will be what they hope he will be right. based on what his last couple of years and right. injuries. So you're absolutely right. I would not say the wide receiver position was finished being fixed with the addition of Aguilar and Beckham. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them draft a wide receiver in the first round tonight. Uh-huh. Um, but I still think, I still think that a, a, a signing DeAndre Hopkins or trading for DeAndre Hopkins to me, makes a different statement than drafting that's, a first-round wide receiver. I do agree. Yeah, you, that guy's going to have to have the ball thrown to him a ton. Like That's not a development. That's a he's coming here expecting a damn large number of footballs to be thrown his way. <laughs> exactly, and so is Odell Beckham, and probably so is Rashad Bateman if he's healthy. And 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 so when is when, when when's your, where's your running game? What does that leave? Where does that leave J.K. Dobbins? Right. Um, who also was already complaining that he didn't get the ball enough. I mean, it's a nice problem to have, don't get me wrong, but I do think it's something that would be, uh, like I said, I think it's very different uh, acquiring DeAndre Hopkins versus drafting a first-round receiver. Is there, again, before we get to, because I know corner is going to stand out a little bit more, but is there a receiver, as you have looked at this, that you look at and say, hey, this would be the guy that I think would make sense for the Ravens. If they were to go receiver at 22, is there a guy that you've looked at and said, I think this guy makes some sense for them? You know, I think you can make a case for several of them. I mean, I love, you know, Quentin Johnson's size really stands out, but people have mentioned that he's had some drops and he should have had, he should have been more aggressive and more assertive and more productive for his size than just six touchdowns or whatever it was this year at TCU. But um, his size stands out on a team that has had a whole bunch of 5'8, 5'10, 5'11 receivers. Uh, but Zay Flower, I mean, there's three or four of them I think could, could all do really well for this team. Um, they've got different skills. So was there one that I would say that's clear head and shoulders? I'm not sure I would say that. But I think there's three or four that you could make a case for and, and would fit in well. He is Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. He is with us here on GCR. Bo, uh, would you agree with the general consensus that the biggest area of need at this point for the Baltimore Ravens is a cornerback? I would completely agree. Uh, without with losing Marcus Peters, you know, choosing to let him go, uh, who's who's there now opposite Marlon Humphrey? I mean, and that includes the slot. If you assume Kyle Hamilton, who ended up playing a lot of the slot last year, is probably drifting back to a more traditional safety role with Chuck Clark on. But on the opposite side, they've tried Brandon Stevens to uneven success. Jalen Armour Davis was kind of a disaster when he got thrown in as a rookie and then he was hurt. Pepe Williams. Yeah, there's huge questions. So I think coming out of this draft with a plug-and-play cornerback would be their number one goal. 
a lot is made about, and I know you wrote about recently, the idea of the Ravens trading back. Uh, Bo, I'm in a strange place where, like, I get it. Uh, five draft picks seems like way too few, but at the same time, I, I don't know here. What you just said is to me the most important thing. Like, I, I need, or I say I need, I don't need anything. I'm not involved with the team. If I'm the Ravens, I need to find a guy. I need to find someone I'm extraordinarily comfortable with. And to me, I don't think at the moment that they're a depth piece or two away from winning the Super Bowl. I think that the far more important part is that they get that guy. So as much as we continue to believe that they're going to want to trade and they're going to want to acquire picks, my priority would be make sure you find that guy that either is a stud-wide receiver or to the point that you can stand up and play on the outside. I just... I don't think that uniquely this year the difference is going to be do you find another fourth-round depth piece along the defensive line as far as their chances of winning a Super Bowl. I mean, you're right. You're right. But, you know, they don't they – don't, they like picks. They're constantly like picks. And, I mean, let's take last year, for example. When they made the Marquise Brown trade, they got pick number 23. And then they traded it, and they, got back, they traded back to 25. And by trading back just those two spots – they picked up an extra fourth-round pick, and that became Jordan Stout, their punter. So let's assume for a minute they're on the clock at 22, and there are still two, two cornerbacks that they really like. It wouldn't surprise me to try to push back to 24 and see if they can pick up extra fourth-round pick and, and gamble that one of those two will still be available in two more picks. That gets them an extra fourth-round pick, and they get one of the guys they want. But they won't know that until the draft starts and they, and, they, and they watch what happens with these cornerbacks. I will say it seems every year lately the cornerback run occurs earlier than we think because cornerback, like quality, capable, shutdown cornerbacks have rightfully become really valued in the draft. So it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly those, you know, Eric DaCosta said he, he thought he saw five or six first-round talent quarterbacks in this draft. It's going to be fascinating to see when they start coming off the board. And a lot of people think that three, four, five, the third, fourth, fifth cornerbacks, if they're coming off the board in the mid-teens, then the Ravens are going to be in some trouble trying to find one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, if you get past, say, Joey Porter, Deontay Banks from Maryland, and now, you know, like, it is a run on that group, it, it becomes an issue. Is there anything else that they could do at 22, Bo, that you would think would be reasonable that isn't, cornerback or wide receiver i if there was going to be a spot they took other than that i think they would look at a, a defensive lineman um and i know that people say well they're loaded on the defensive line but kind of and kind of not in the sense that they don't have calais campbell essentially their entire defensive line group is was is headed toward free agency and if you can get a defensive end who keeps an impact rusher as well um that would be a possibility Again, it, it it depends on how the board falls, but I would definitely put that as a as a notch below corner or wide receiver. But if that were to happen, it would not surprise me in the least, depending on how the board falls. Yeah, I I have said like I I happen to love Nolan Smith from Georgia. Like if that guy's there, I'm not gonna be mad at all if that's the player they end up taking. I I just think he's good. And and the other thing that you bring up the the rush and the passer thing, I. I think there's a lot of eggs being put. I know they've thrown a ton of resources in recent years at edge rush, but I don't know how comfortable they can be going into this season with, you know, David Ajabo, who they saw for, you know, a game, basically, or with, you know, Adafi Owe, who's had a couple of moments, but 
has not shown any consistency. Like I, I still think as many resources they put towards it recently, they don't necessarily have the answers at the moment. No, you're right. And yeah, they certainly, you know, Ajabo is a whole different case because they knew that Ajabo was going to be a long-term play, right? They drafted him five weeks after Torres Achilles. I think they thought they might get him back a little earlier last year and they might see a little more of him than they did. I think Owe was the bigger disappointment because this is a first-round draft pick who kind of vanished at times last year. Um, and they don't draft first-round guys to vanish at times. And so I think that's a guy that really needs to step up. So the edge rush is still a viable concern. Um, until these guys are a little more proven. So I would think they have their eye there as well. But as I said, I think they've got to come out of this draft with a with a starting caliber cornerback. I mean, I know they can say, oh, well, we're going to they've talked about waiting until after May 1st to maybe look on the free agent market where it won't count court compensatory picks. But I think if they could come out of here with a, a Marlon Humphrey type in that he's a first-round or Jim Smith type, a first-round cornerback who can immediately play, then that's that's their best goal. At B. Smolka is how you follow him on Twitter. Pressboxonline.com is where you can see all of his content. Bo, uh, we will talk to you after this is all over. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Take care. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, with us here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Derek Mason is going to join us here in just one minute. We'll get his thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins. I, I do. I like. I am. I'm in a strange place where I'm the guy that normally bangs on the table, and I'm not telling you that I'm opposed to DeAndre Hopkins, but I would rather you just draft a wide receiver than go the DeAndre Hopkins route. I, and I know you're going to say the Ravens aren't good at drafting wide receivers. I, I hear you. I understand. I, I think you've kind of taken your swing on the risky wide receiver at this point. And I know that you're going to say, hey, DeAndre Hopkins, there's nothing that suggests he's about to fall off a cliff. And maybe I've changed in my perspective because I was so wrong about Julio Jones a couple of years ago. Maybe that has utterly reshaped the way that I think about wide receivers because I've never been more wrong about anything than I was about how badly I was willing to see the Baltimore Ravens give up a first-round pick to get Julio Jones, who had nothing to offer the Tennessee Titans when he arrived. I I am... I don't want to do two 30-plus-year-old wide receivers with some question marks. I, I don't, that's not the way that I want to do it. Now, if they do, again, I'm not going to be screaming about it. I'm going to be in favor of getting playmakers. I'm going to, I'm going to look at it glass half full. But that is a lot of risk to say, hey, we've addressed the position. Yeah, I'm not as much worried about the Rashad Bateman side of things. Like, to, to say, hey, there aren't enough footballs to go around for everybody. I hear you, and I I get that. But injuries happen. 
And I, I'm okay with having more players on the field. I'd just rather it be a quality first-round young wide receiver that you could try to have for the next eight to ten years. That's sort of where I am. I do want to get this man's perspective. He, of course, is one of my favorite people. Everybody knows that. Ravens legend. Greatest receiver in Ravens history. Now 1025 the game down in Nashville. It's always a pleasure to welcome back to the program our guy Dean Mace. Derek Mason is with us once again here on GCR. Mace, what's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Just getting prepared for the draft. We we will talk about it today in another, I guess, an hour. Um, twelve your time, eleven my time, and then we have a draft show that will commence at six o'clock until uh, today and tomorrow so <laughs> man they are working you bro don't they know like, yeah you're, you're one of the greatest players in tennessee history and they gotta make you gotta work this hard shouldn't you be able to be like hey dude i'm hey. doing the draft show can i take the, the day off can i take the midday show off man like how hey, do you the, hey, the, hey it doesn't stop especially when it comes to the draft the station wants us to you know talk until we can't talk no more but it's been fun it's it's you know this time of year you know it's it's always fun uh for the people that have to talk about it now for the guys that are participating the guys that you know will potentially get drafted or free agents this is a stressful time for them exciting no but stressful i'm sure all right mace i wanted to get your perspective on a couple of things if i could and i start with these continued rumors that even after the ravens got odell beckham they could still be in the market for DeAndre Hopkins, too. And it's interesting to me, right? Because now you're talking about the possibility of lining two guys up on the field who have both, for other various reasons, had a couple of down seasons. We know in their prime exactly what these guys are, game changers. But do you think it's the right thing to do to build your wide receiver room with two 30-plus-year-old guys who both have had you know, a couple of issues of late, right? Like, and not being as wildly productive as we're used to them being. Is that the best way to go about building a receiver room? Um, it's not conventional, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, you typically, when you have a receiver room, you want to have a mix of veteran guys and a mix of young guys, veteran guys that have, you know, proven they can play in this league and young guys that, have proven that, you know, they're on the right trajectory um, in regards to, um, you know, going out there and, and, and putting together, you know, great tape and, and making plays for you. So it's not the conventional way, but, you know, the tight, I mean, how about the Titans, the Ravens, excuse me, Ravens fans. <laughs> um, the Ravens, um, you know, they've been, they've been really looking for that number one guy. Um, and they got some young talent in that room, uh, but they've been looking for that veteran uh, number one guy for a few years now. They haven't had that guy since Steve Smith left. Um, before that, it was Anquan, and before that, it was myself. So they're looking for that guy that can, you know, instantly upgrade their room. Um, and um, you know, I. I, I I wouldn't think it was a bad idea, but I'm, I I would be concerned about the injury history of both guys. Um, I could see having one guy and then bring it to help spring along that young receiver room. But when you have two guys that have dealt with injuries of some sort um, and they're getting older, 
uh, it would be a concern as you get later in the season. I want to be fair, of course, with uh, Hopkins, he did have 80 yards per game over nine games last season. Like, he was still insanely productive. But, I, you know, I, to add to the injury risk, I I got duped. Mace, two years ago, I was in love with the idea of Julio Jones, right? Like, I wanted the Ravens to go get Julio Jones. And as you know, of course, being down there, I was dead wrong. And I <laughs> was very lucky that the Ravens weren't the team that took that risk. Uh, you were someone who didn't fall off a cliff at the age of 30, and you referenced a couple of other guys who didn't fall off a cliff at the age of 30. There is this sort of like idea at this point that wide receivers post-30 can't be that player any longer. Is there any way for you to look at a player and say, hey, this is a guy that I think is going to have trouble post-30 versus a guy that you think is still going to be able to be, you know, like you were, wildly productive mm-hmm. past the age of 30? Or is it just kind of a total crapshoot the way that this works out? You know, I think there there are some indicators. And unfortunately, uh, as much as I like OBJ, and I think he will and is an upgrade, and he will help the younger guys in that room, um, you know, there are some red flags when you talk about older receivers and kind of sort of projecting what they can do after the age of 30. And like I said, unfortunately, the Ravens are dealing, potentially could deal with that with um, OBJ, him coming off of um, two ACLs, not, you know, back to back, but he has dealt with uh, ACLs and everybody knows about, you know, what happened, you know, a few years ago two years ago in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't think that game would have been close had Odell Beckham not gotten injured because he was on the tear in that Super Bowl game. Uh, but, you know, he, he's dealing with a knee injury. And those are indicators, I believe, whether a guy can not necessarily produce, but will he be available? Because I, I believe whenever OBJ is available, he's going to produce. It's just his history shows that. But the thing is, is he going to be available for 17 games? Because you're going yeah. to need him. And that would be the same case if you brought in um, Hop, who I, yeah, I think Hopkins and Mike Evans are two guys that, to me, are the best receivers in the, in the, in the league hmm. because of their longevity, because of their consistency. Um, and I've always said, be, uh, Hop, he reminds me so much of Chris Carter, because anything you throw in his vicinity, yeah. he's going to catch. And he's a, he's a quarterback's dream. Um, just put it anywhere near him, he will get it. So, But those red flags are there uh, with the injuries. And you just have to, like you said, it's sort of like a, a crap. It's sort of like a, a dice roll. You know, you can either roll sevens or you can roll snake eyes and crap out, one of the two. And, but I'm sure the, the Ravens are banking on them rolling sevens more times than not course we don't know for sure that they're going to do it just obviously smoke that's been blown of late Derek Mason is with us here on GCR Mace I know the Titans are also like wide receiver is a position that has been regularly connected with the Tennessee Titans in this draft so I have said I would I would still be okay even after Beckham now clearly if they go Hopkins it's not going to be wide receiver any longer they're not going to draft uh-huh. one but even with just Beckham if they don't add DeAndre Hopkins I would still be okay or even in favor of the Ravens considering wide receiver in the first round. As you've been looking at this group of receivers in connection to the Titans, can you kind of break down that group of who stands out for you as the guys that you think are the most sure bets to be quality NFL wide receivers in this draft? Uh, The one guy that I 
I really, really liked uh, is Jordan Addison out of USC. Uh, he was a transfer from Pitt. Uh, we know what he did at Pitt. If you followed him, he was the Belitnikoff Award winner. He put over, up over 1,500 yards and then ended up transferring, which you never really see a guy winning an award then the next following year transferring to another school. But I think it had to do with the quarterback and the quarterback leaving and whatnot. Um, but he goes to SC. His numbers do drop. But he dealt with some, I believe, lower body injuries. I think it was an ankle. Uh, but if you watch him, that smoothness is there. His ability to get in and out of routes is there. He can play inside. He can play outside. He has the speed. He has the quickness. Uh, and he plays much bigger than what he is. He's about six foot, but he plays a little bit bigger than that. Um, he's a guy that can be an instant um, starter, um, you know, in, in the Baltimore Ravens offense because of what he's capable of doing. Doing it. I mean, he could play inside and he could play outside, so you just don't have to lock him in on one position. That's one guy I really like. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yep. Uh, but he's more so he's more so of an inside guy. If you look at his snaps, and then you got to, I love him, but the one thing I am concerned about him, he missed the whole season basically with a hamstring issue, and hamstrings and receivers don't mix. So, again, those are those red flags that I talked about with the older guys. Now you're talking about it with the guy that's only 22 years old, um, but he's a hell of a player. Um, but he's strictly, I believe, a slot guy. He's a guy that spent most of his time when he did play that sophomore year and he had big numbers, especially in the um, bowl game. But 90%, I think 70, 80% of his snaps were as a slot receiver. So, you know, when you, if you do draft a guy like that, you got to understand that, you know, you have to have a need for him in the slot. If you don't have a need for him in the slot, then it's going to be very difficult uh, to sort of make him an outside receiver because he doesn't have that top end speed. He, he's not a big body guy, uh, but he's a hell of a player. Um, but he's more of a slot guy. Uh, another guy that I like is a flowers mm. out of BC. He plays bigger than what he is. He too is more of an inside guy, but you can line him up across the field inside, outside. You can do various things with them. He's more explosive than uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba. Um, he has more speed, top-end speed than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, but again, he too falls in on the smaller side of receivers. Not to say there's anything wrong with that because, hell, Steve Smith is one of the greatest receivers in the, to ever play this game, and he was 5'9". Uh, but he played much bigger than his stature said. So I'm not going to knock him for, for you know him not being over you know 5'10", 5'11". But he's a tank of a guy. Um, you can put him anywhere. He plays bigger than what he is. Uh, but you got to understand, too, uh, with the small stature, can he hold up uh, throughout a rigorous, especially his rookie year, rigorous NFL season. So those are three guys that I really like. I like other guys that are that are in this draft. Um, Tank, Tank Dale out of Houston, he's a – I call him a points maker. This guy had double-digit touchdowns the last two years of his career, 17 last year. He's just a point maker. He's a touchdown. He's a touchdown creative. So you get a guy like that and like Zay Flowers, you can put him anywhere on the field and he can score from the slot, from the outside, from the backfield, whatever you want him to do, he can do. You are all concerned about Addison's drop rates. Uh, you know, 
not really because um, he got better. He dropped a lot of passes, um, you know, I think early on. Yeah. But he got better. Um, and, you know, you don't win a Bolitnikoff award by just being, you know, an average receiver or receiver that drops a lot of balls. But that's something he's going to have to work on consistently in the NFL. It's not like he has bad hands. He just It's just a lack of concentration, I think, a lot of times. So that's something that he's going to have to work on when he does um, get into an NFL camp. I get that. That completely makes sense. Mace, before I let you go, I just wanted to get your thumbnail on what's been going on here in Baltimore. Um, I, I wonder if like you know if it's come up if you've talked about the idea of the Titans, who I think a lot of people believe should be in the market for a quarterback, being the team that should have been going after Lamar Jackson this offseason, and just what you make on the outside perspective of some of the awkwardness of this situation and whether it can be solved between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and you know, how you feel about his pursuit of trying to get more fully guaranteed money and, and maybe sort of changing the game for every quarterback moving forward? I don't blame. I'm going to start with that question first. I don't blame. Uh, this sport is, is a physical sport. Um, outside of probably boxing and MMA, this is probably the, the most physical sport, uh, professional sport out there. Um, hockey is rough but it's not as, as rough and physical, physical continuously as the NFL. Um, so I, I don't blame him trying to get as much guaranteed money as possible. And no one else, no other player should blame him because if he gets it, that sets up a precedent for everybody else moving forward in regards to getting you know, the guaranteed money. It's all about the guaranteed money. It's not about the A-B. That, that, that's more so for the agent. It's about how much money am I going to get in my pocket? Um, I don't too much care about the AAV. I want to know how much money I'm going to get. So it's, yeah. it's, I, I don't blame Lamar for that, not one bit. It's just unfortunate that, you know, it's gotten this far. I do hope they get a deal done. Can it be savage, salvaged? Absolutely it can be. Um, nothing is done until it's completely done. Um, he loves the franchise. He loves the city. He loves the franchise. I'm sure he loves the acquisition of getting OBJ and potentially what they can be. So hopefully they can get a deal done pretty soon here. Uh, but in regards to him and the Titans, uh, we were on that kick for, for about a week, a week or two, but I don't think from a financial standpoint, it makes sense for the Tennessee Titans with the way that they're, that, you know, the way in, in direction this, this franchise is headed. I don't think they could, um, you know, swallow, you know, giving that much guarantee money to one individual. They just got finished paying Jeffrey Simmons, who to me is probably the second best defensive tackle behind Aaron Donald. They just gave him a massive contract. They're working on three other massive contracts with the quarterback, the running back, and the safety that they're trying to finagle and, and trying to get more money within the organization. So they're asking guys to take pay cuts. So to bring Lamar here uh, from a financial standpoint, it just doesn't make sense from a personnel standpoint. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Uh, you get Lamar, you know, the chance to make it to the, to the Super Bowl goes up tremendously, but from a financial standpoint right now, it doesn't make sense for the Titans. 
He is, of course, Derek Mason. He is going to be working something like a thousand hours over the course of this weekend down on 102.5 <laughs> The Game in Nashville at D Mason D E E Mason eighty five on Twitter is how you follow him. Love you, brother. Always appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning, uh, dude. Uh, love you too, man. Anytime, you know that. I know that. Derek Mason with us here on GCR. That's my guy. I, man, I I hear you on the financial side of things, but Ryan Tannehill. Like, what's the cost of that on the flip side? It's always always the question. Um, I, I, I am. I feel like I'm putting out mixed messages about the possibility of DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like like I, I'm not telling you I'm no. I'm telling you this wouldn't be my preferred way of doing things. And I would feel far differently about it if they hadn't done Odell Beckham, right? Like... If they had never done Odell Beckham, I'd be gung-ho on DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's a lot of risk to take on. It's very boomer bust. I'm not saying no as much as I'm saying you can't get me to feel about this the way that I would have felt if you had been the team that had gone after A.J. Brown last year. I, I, I have to recognize now at this point how much risk is involved if that ends up being the case. And we don't know it. By the way, apparently Pac-Man Jones went back on yesterday and said was leaning more Buffalo and Kansas City with DeAndre Hopkins. Darn it. Right? My buddy uh, Josh Charles was texting me last night. Do like, we have to drop the meter? Or? No, no, no. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Um, so now you got to pick between Pac-Man and, and Rita? I'm not. I'm not doing any of these things. <laughs> Josh and I. Josh Charles was texting me last night. Like I'm gonna end up believing it's gonna be happening. I'm gonna be so crushed when it ends up being Buffalo. Oh man. I never thought it would happen, but now I'm kind of believing it will. And I'm gonna be so sad when he goes to the Bills. Yeah. I mean, I hear you, dude. I do. I hear you. Um, I'm not. I. I don't want it to sound like I'm saying this. You can't do this, or this is stupid, or this is reckless. I just think that there are better ways to go about doing it than this being the way. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see. It might be a much ado about nothing if ultimately there's a Chiefs deal that's announced tonight or something like that. Could you imagine, by the way? Could you imagine the Chiefs drafting... Or, drafting draft Zay Flowers. Right, and getting DeAndre Hopkins. <sighs> Man. Loading up. Guess, guess there's next year. Right. <laughs> I think that throws uh, you can't pay your quarterback out the window. Well, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is one of one in fairness. Like, there, there's one dude that's that guy. But even that th- – the. But, no, I, you know I agree. I'm okay with paying quarterbacks in general. Like, I, the, the risk of not having – or the cost of not having a quarterback is far greater than the cost of paying your quarterback. It's not comparable, those two things. Keep telling me how much it costs to have a quarterback. Let me tell you how much it costs to not have a quarterback. And you can take two gambles like that in the draft and in trading if you do have that quarterback. Yes, that is true. When you when position. he when he is him. All right, hour number one of today's show is in the books. Also brought to you by pressboxonline.com slash offers. You can bet on baseball for the first time ever. You can also put some NFL draft bets in. One I would tell you not to do is Will Will Levis to go number one overall. Don't make that bet. Is that your lock of the night? No. <laughs> Well, well, we'll love us not Just, going. One. Yes, that, that would be my lock of the lock night. Tonight. And my lock of the night is that I lit money on fire this week. Just said, money, why would I need that? Here, have some money. But, for example, if you sign up for DraftKings, and you got to do it through pressboxonline.com slash offers, you can get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet. You have to go to pressboxonline.com slash offers in order to take advantage of it. 
We will make our trip to Bowie. Chat with Chase McDermott from the Bay Sox. Next, it's Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR. We're about to make our trip down to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. And, you know, we've been trying to hook you up with a chance to go see the Bay Sox as well as all of the area's minor league teams. Have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? Well, PressBox is giving you the chance to check them all out this summer. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around to all those parks. You must be 18 or older to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now in order to sign up and win. And let's make our trip this week to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. Joining us now, a man who is off to a very good start to his season. Four appearances, 16 innings. He's pitching to a 1.16 whip. That'll work. 1.65 ERA. That's even better. He is Orioles prospect Chase McDermott, and he's with us now here on GCR. Chase, it's Glenn. It's good to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. 
Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. Chase, I wonder, you know, from when you arrived last summer and sort of the, the hubbub and, I don't know, getting getting your feet wet here, trying to figure out how it all worked, meet people. Have, are you far more settled at this point? Have you felt like, hey, it's just business as usual as you go into now your kind of first full season in the Orioles organization? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think last year there was a lot of um, just trying to get an understanding of everything that was going on um, in the new org. Um, now I know what's going on, met all the guys. Uh, met all the coaches, and now I'm just kind of rolling with it. You've uh, the the results have been pretty good. I know the last uh, time out, you probably would have liked to have had a couple of those pitches back, but the results have been really good. As you've made this jump to the Double A level, uh, obviously things are supposed to be a bit more difficult given the bats that you're faced. Why has it been as seamless as it's been for you in making this jump to Double A? Uh, I mean, I think it's just more uh, getting settled. Uh, into pitches and stuff like that, understanding what I do well um, and when to use certain pitches, all that kind of stuff. I think it's more of the mental side more than the physical side in that sense. Is it, you know, does it help that you don't have to face Heston Kerstad and Kobe Mayo when you go out to the mound? Is that is that a maybe a positive for you in, in, in getting producing good numbers? Yeah, I mean, not having to face our lineup is always a huge <laughs> a huge boost on the confidence because. Uh, especially with how well we're hitting right now with uh, Heston, uh, Zach Watson, Kobe, and Prieto specifically at the top of our lineup. Yeah. I mean, I think we're at the tough lineup to face. So, No, oh, there's no question about that. Chase, I wonder, you know, you, you have an interesting perspective because so much has been made over the years with Mike Elias being at the top and having come from Houston and Sig Dell having come from Houston. How similar is the organization that you came to in Baltimore, the Orioles, you know, from top to bottom, than where you where you were, where you came from with the Astros organization, and maybe how different is it? Like, what are the things that you've noticed that perhaps are different? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's similarities there, um, especially with like the analytical side, which I feel like all of baseball is moving towards that. But um, I'd say it's pretty similar in that sense. Um, there's differences, but. I'm not going to get much into those. I'm not trying to give away secrets for either team, obviously. Um, well, tell, I mean, but wait, I mean, wait, just, why not? If there's, if there, we got to, we got to get, the, <laughs> we got to get to the nitty gritty here. No, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I wish yeah. I could, but I can't. So, I mean, but I mean, the differences are there's definitely differences, um, and I enjoy some of the differences here uh, with the Orioles. But yeah, I mean. It's, there are a ton of similarities at the same time. So I get it. I completely understand. And I think that's something that, you know, every, I, I think most Orioles fans would say, yeah, we like that because things are going yeah. pretty well in Houston. Yeah, and they seem sure. to know what they were doing. So let's try to continue replicating those things. Chase, can you take yeah. me through uh, where you're at with your pitches at this point? What, what you've been comfortable with, what maybe you're still trying to work on as you work your way towards the bigs? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten more comfortable with a uh, – couple of the pitches um last year i was throwing a change up as my fifth pitch um i changed it to a splitter in the off season um and it's progressively getting better pretty much every time i go out um so i think it'll be a huge boost once i get that fully where i want it to be um i started throwing a sweeper the new slider that everyone talks about late last year um and it's getting the movement that i want now it's just being able to throw it where I want it to. Okay. Um, so I think once we get kind of the command of everything, 
Um, I think everything will be in good shape. Well, let me go back to that for a second. You say it's just about throwing it where you want it to. Have there been a couple of unfortunate results as you've been trying to get the command of that pitch? Have there been a couple, a couple times you said, I, I know it's getting there, but like this one I would like to have back. Have there been some tough yeah. results? Last year, last year especially, I think uh, my first game in double-A yeah. against, uh, I want to say Somerset, which is the Yankees affiliate, um, I had a guy 0-2 and threw one right down the middle. Ah. Probably 450 feet field. So definitely wish I could have had that one back. But this year it's been less uh, misses end zone. It's been more kind of pulling them a little bit. So it's just bringing it back in zone and bringing it to their corners. I mean, look, man, this is the time to be doing that, right? <laughs> like work through yeah, all exactly. of that now. That is the point to being down. Yeah, there. for sure. Chase McDermott is with us. The Bay Sox are home this weekend, taking on Richmond. Happy hour tonight. Glow in the Park, a post-game light show, and kids run the bases tomorrow. Fireworks on Saturday. Plus, it's Unicorns and Dragons night at the stadium. On Sunday, you can meet the team in autograph and photo session before the game at noon on Sunday. So a lot of great events coming up this weekend at Prince George's Stadium, make sure you get your tickets, BaySox.com. Chase, you're in an interesting position because I brought up, you know, you brought up some of the guys before. I was talking about some of those guys, and a lot has been made about how deep the Orioles system is with hitting prospects. But it's not as commonly believed that the system is quite as deep with pitching prospects. I wonder if you have felt, you know, I don't know if it's an elevated sense of importance because that sounds kind of hoity-toity, but if there's a pressure, whatever it would be, about the role that a guy like you might have in the Orioles taking the next step because it doesn't seem like it is quite as overwhelming how much pitching there is throughout the organization. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also a huge misconception. I mean, there's plenty of arms in our org that are very, very good and can definitely contribute to the big league team um, in the future. I don't think they get enough credit and I think that's kind of a shame um, but at the same time for me personally I'm not putting a ton of weight on myself about that um, making a huge impact I'm just trying to develop um, be the best I can be and hopefully that leads me to being a huge part of the Orioles in the future sure. um, but that's just the focus right now I'm not trying to be a big league pitcher tomorrow so I get that although I got to imagine there is an excitement about where this you know organization has been headed and seeing what the big league club is doing. Like, if you had been traded to Baltimore maybe two years earlier, I feel like your reaction might not have been as pleasant. Like, I got to imagine in whole, like, the, the, the situation that you find yourself in has got to be pretty exciting, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we have a great young team um, in the big leagues. Um, I mean, it's been really fun to watch this year. Um, I mean, it's definitely exciting to – be traded to a team where you have some opportunities, I think, and also being a team, being an org where we're winning. So, I mean, it's hard to complain about that. No, I mean, it, it certainly makes it far more exciting when you get that opportunity. Uh, Chase McDermott is with us here for just another minute or two on GCR. Chase, did uh, did I see? Did you um, like? I was looking at your Instagram. Did you get married recently? I did. I got married uh, in September of 2022 okay so have you about seven months ago has it settled into normalcy at this point like is it to the point where it's not a big deal any longer yeah it's it's definitely gotten to that point it's definitely fun i think being newlyweds even right for about the first year is always fun obviously but um we're enjoying 
we're enjoying the experience of getting to go to spring training and then come up here to Bowie and stuff like that. And just all the new adventures that we have, but it's definitely fun being married for I, sure. I was talking about this with uh, Mike Bauman because he's getting married this coming off season. How did you handle, now you actually actually was split between two organizations. How did you handle like the teammates that might've been disappointed that they didn't get an invite? Like what, what is the policy when you're getting married and you're a baseball player? Do you have to invite all of your teammates? Like, does everybody understand, Hey, it doesn't work that way. Like, what are the inner workings of the politics of getting married when you're a baseball player? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting um, just trying to make sure you get people invited and stuff like that. But uh, for me, it made it a little bit easier being a part of two orgs in one year just because I got traded so late. And I, I mean, I got traded in August, and my wedding was in September. So the, the yeah, list you, you said, can't make no, a new invite list, right, a month after. Yeah, I'm not making wedding. a new invite list. So right. if anyone was upset about that, I'm sorry, but I couldn't do much about <laughs> did it. Did you so. have – you don't have to name anybody, but did you have a situation? Because I remember when I got married, like, thinking, ah, who – you know, like, I, it, weddings could be an obligation at this point. But there were legitimately people that were very deeply upset that they didn't get invites. Did you have to deal with any of that when you got married? Um. No, I didn't. I mean, oh, I don't you're know. You're a lucky man. People bit their tongues or what it was, <laughs> but I didn't have to deal with it. And luckily, I think with the schedule, I was a little too busy to deal with it anyway. So, did, uh, did what get best wedding gift you guys received was what? Oh, um, somebody got us a Theragun, which was like a massage. Oh gun, yeah, I use that a lot. So, I mean, I can't can't complain about that one do those things legitimately work like i mean that it feels like such a racket to me anytime somebody talks about one of those things I, you're telling me it legitimately helps i yeah it legitimately helps i'm not going to tell you like if i'm in total pain that it's going to heal that but yeah right. it loosens up your muscles and stuff like that gets you going I'm uh, I'm about to be 40, Chase, so I gotta start thinking about these types of things. I would invest in one then. If that, yeah, bro, if I'm I'm in pain one. basically every moment of every day at this point in my life, and I'm not a yeah, pitcher. Yeah, invest in one for sure. No, man, I'm gonna have to look into it. Chase McDermott, uh, again, the Bay Sox are home this weekend with so many great events coming up, uh, and of course, you're on Twitter. It's at Chase, and that's C H A Y C E underscore McD99. And on Instagram as well at I am underscore Chase McD. Is there anything else that you're doing or that you're up to that we can plug for you, man? Uh, no, I don't think so right now. All just, right, just trying to pitch. Hey, let's plug some uh, some more great numbers. Let's do that, right? Let's plug some more uh, outstanding exactly. appearances like moving forward. Chase, congratulations on a great start. Look forward to catching up with you as you uh, continue to make your move towards the bigs. Thanks for hopping on with us for a couple of minutes this morning. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's Chase McDermott, uh, Bowie Bay Sox pitcher, Orioles prospect, checking in with us here on GCR. As uh, he is, he's off to a very good start to the season. And um, after having been part of the trade last year, the Trey Mancini deal at the deadline. Hour number two of today's program is brought to you by Birdland Sports, where right now you can put together your Homer Hose and 2023 World Series Champs t-shirt package for just 20 bucks. I shared out yesterday, the they, uh, Josh also did an O's shirt, but the O is the hose, right. which is pretty it's cool. A, it's a good one. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. I, that one is definitely worth checking out. You're, you're hydrating while wearing that T-shirt. Exactly mm. right. And they got it in a bunch of different colors, in fact, as well. So go to birdlandsports.com if you want to pick up that one right now. 
Um, a couple people have chimed in this morning. One, uh, Joe. Joe says, Len, I kind of feel like I'm like you. I'm weirdly not as excited about the idea of DeAndre Hopkins as I should be. I can't believe this as somebody who has been beat down by how awful the Ravens have been at wide receivers over the years. It just feels like it's weird that all of a sudden doing this. Is this nothing more than simply kowtowing to Lamar Jackson's demands? And are you a little bit concerned about that? again, it's such a complicated answer, right? Like, I feel so strange talking about this because I feel like I should be saying, hell effing yes. Go get DeAndre Hopkins. You've been garbage at wide receiver for forever. You're allowed to have three. Is it kowtowing to the demands of Lamar Jackson? Even if it is. Yeah, like is that were, a bad thing? Right, I, I, yeah. I, I get it. That's sort of what I said in the immediacy about Odell Beckham, right? Like, Did you only go get Odell Beckham because you were trying to smooth things over with Lamar Jackson? Well, you know, it was so bad at wide receiver. Oh, hello. It was so bad at wide receiver that why not do that anyway? And again, you can point out, hey, look, here's what I you, – you want me to make the statement? What was the DJ Moore trade? What did – DJ Moore cost the, the Chicago the, the Bears first and, uh, and DJ Moore trade. Probably I want a second, right? Was it fir- a first and a second? Really? Well, for one overall. Oh no! It was sorry. He was in the sorry. He was in the field. Right. He was in the Fields deal. So again, give me the whole rundown for that because I want to try. It's not in the Fields deal. He was in the number the, one pick. Yes, deal, the right? number he one. He was pick the other deal. side. Number um, one pick. Full patch of ashes. And there's, uh, all right. So ninth overall pick. So Chicago they swapped right. one and nine. Right. Hold on. Let me look at it. Look, I don't know let me, why. Let me, why go, it won't let me be. go back for a second. I I got to rewrite this. It's totally possible that DJ Moore. The only reason why the Panthers are willing to trade him is because it was going to get them their quarterback, right? Like it. As I make this point, it might very well be that the Panthers would have never traded DJ Moore if it wasn't going to land them their quarterback. So short of you trading them Lamar Jackson, it might very well be that they were never going to dangle. The only way that they were going to be willing to talk about DJ Moore is if it was going to get them up to where they could draft their quarterback. Because my point would be, I would be more inclined to trade for DJ Moore than I would be for DeAndre Hopkins. And you can say, well, it's a, it would have been at a much greater cost. Yes. Yes, it would have. What that cost would have been, I don't know. It's hard for me, you, it's hard to base it on the trade they made to figure out what it would have cost to just trade for DJ Moore. And he's 26 years old. So, like, he... That- he- but Literally just turned 26. That's kind of the right, point right, that I'm exactly. trying to make. Yeah, I yeah. would rather be trading for a 26-year-old wide receiver than for a 30-year-old wide receiver. And I get it. DJ Moore has never been DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm not trying to pretend. DeAndre Hopkins' skill set is one of one. And it's totally possible, as Mace pointed out, maybe DeAndre Hopkins, who, after he came back from the suspension last year, was very productive. The, the total numbers for the season don't look it, but he was 80 yards per game after he came back from the suspension. Do that math if he can play, let's just even say, 16 games this season. That's going to be wildly productive if he can match that. So it's not – it, it's tough to have this conversation because I'm not suggesting that we know that DeAndre Hopkins has fallen off or is about to fall off a cliff. Just based on patterns. I'm, yeah. I am – I'm in a weird place. I'm just – again, this might be a personal bias thing. I did this whole thing with Prince Charles last week where we were talking about biases, right? Like where I have to acknowledge my bias. It might be that I have become a completely different person because I was so wrong about Julio Jones. That now I am 
recalibrating and I'm going a step too far. And now I'm trashing everyone. I know DeAndre Hopkins could help the Ravens right now. I know that's true. But if you're going to address wide receiver, I'd rather it be young. I'd rather it be, and to say, well, hey, the Ravens aren't good at that, I, that's not a good enough answer for me. Get better at it. <laughs> Fix that. Don't just say, well, the hell with it. We're never doing that again. Get better at it. Figure out how to make it work. And maybe part of the problem is we're because Rashad Bateman got hurt, we're clouded on our judgment of Rashad Bateman, who we all remember what the Ravens offense looked like just when Rashad Bateman was healthy at the beginning of last year. I mean, Lamar Jackson was the front runner for MVP with a healthy Rashad Bateman early in the season a year ago. Now, it turned, obviously. There were problems as the season went on even before Lamar Jackson got hurt. But it looked great. Phenomenal to start the season with just a healthy Rashad Bateman. Maybe Rashad Bateman really is still the going to prove to be the greatest receiver the Ravens have ever drafted. And I get it. That's a low bar. That's Torrey Smith is the bar at the moment. But no offense to Torrey Smith. He was a very productive player. But we know he wasn't a superstar by any stretch of the imagination. I, I will be okay with it if it happens. I will be. I'll say, all right, let's do it. Let's go. I'll go a step farther. I'm, I'll be happy. I mean, I'll be yeah, excited. Yeah, to some like, extent, it's, right. It's, to some extent, I would say I'd be happy. Again, I... It, just seeing them invest in receiver at all is an upgrade from, you know, pretty much anything they've ever done. But it just it, feels so like... A, even, it, it feels like a weird way to go to say, we have failed at wide receiver, so let's go all in on 30-year-old wide receivers. Right? It just feels like there's a, it, there's a huge dichotomy there. I mean, maybe it'll depend on what the deal is. Like, is it really all in if they end up, I don't know, if it ends up being queen in a third or something, or next year's second? I don't know. I would... I don't know right now that the price is going to be... Right, exactly. So, like... Like, that. what makes me feel... Again, right now, what I'm feeling is it's a lot of risks. What was the What was the injury in 2021? For It was um, for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he, his, what ended his season in 2021? Oh, man. Was it a ACL? It was... 2021. Oh, come on. I've got the MCL. Torn MCL. Mm. Which doesn't, again, like mean... Because, again, he came back last season and he looked good. So I'm not... I'm not getting too worked up about it. But it's just... There is a lot of risk that you're taking all at one position. You've already taken risk with Odell Beckham to say, hey, it's just a one-year deal. Yes, but it's the caveat of a one-year deal that if it doesn't work, it's going to cost you $10 million worth of dead cap space the following season. I, I think the better question, and it's the one that Dan asked, is the, is it, to, you know, you can talk about kowtowing, but like, is it worth it if this is the difference in getting you Lamar Jackson to sign long-term? If it was as simple as you get Beckham and you get Hopkins, then it's over. I'll sign the deal that you wanted me to sign. Then it seems like a no-brainer. I think that's a better way of looking yeah. at that's Then it's worth taking the risk, right, to just not have to deal with it. I've said all along, like, maybe it's worth just overpaying Lamar just to not have to deal with it anymore. If, if this gets you Lamar Jackson on your terms, yeah, there's still risk involved, but probably risk worth taking but we still have to acknowledge the risk it might very well be that it plays out beautifully for the Baltimore Ravens that DeAndre Hopkins is good 
so for another Odell. three to yeah. four seasons. Odell is good for at least two seasons. You know, DeAndre Hopkins still looks like DeAndre Hopkins for the next year or two, and even when he dips a little bit in two and to three. Bateman steps up. Right, yeah. all of those things. I, you pray that that's the way that it works out. Again, if they do it, which is still a huge, huge if. We're talking still largely about a hypothetical here. Why don't we go ahead and do fighting words? I know uh, Calvin Ford's going to join us a little bit later on, so uh, we'll we'll definitely be diving deeper into uh, some con- boxing conversation at that point. But let's get into fighting world words. Prince Charles is here. Fighting words brought to you today by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which again off the night, but KZ and I will be hopping on Pressbox's Facebook page instead. Stan Ross and Luke did a show earlier this week talking about the start of the season. Find them at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, of course, as well at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Prince Charles, I hear there was a fight of some sort this past weekend. There was a fight. Um, it, in, it included Baltimore's own, uh, Javante Davis. Uh, if you ask me how he's doing this week, I'd say pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, nothing I could find really social media-wise. He's going quiet on Twitter and Instagram. Uh Probably a good thing for him. He, it looks like he used those platforms just to promote the fight and then got his money and he's gone off into the sunset, probably in a cabana in Aruba or something like that. You know? But, um, yeah, seventh round, left uh, left body hook KO. Dropped Ryan in the second round as well with the same hand. Um, it was just upstairs that time. Called him clean on the chin. Uh yeah, he. All right, let's, let's talk. We, we all we all know what happened. We yeah. all watched the fight. Let's let's um, get to the 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 stuff that matters now. Okay. Like let's uh, get to the pay per view report. Um, yep. Generated 1.2 million pay per view buys in the U.S. Uh, that's the s- most buys for a sanctioned bout since Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin won in 2017. That generated 1.3 million. Um, Mike to- Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Sorry. That exhibition in 2020 did a reported 1.6 million, but so it wasn't a sanction. So it wasn't a sanction bout. So God, that's so embarrassing. Um, not included in the sanction bouts list. Was um, that also a Jake Paul night? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that him against Nate Robinson? Or something? Yeah, but uh, yeah. Mike Tyson was the main event. So right. I, I hate um, I hate everything so much. Davis and Garcia also generated uh, estimated 22. Point eight million live gate at the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, that's the most in Nevada since Alvarez and Golovkin too, which uh, earned twenty four million. Um, for more news, uh, he well, hang on. Let's 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 put into context what one point two million pay per view buys is, because that really is typically like star numbers, and I think at this point. That's not yet quite where Gervonta Davis had been. I think that's the significance of the fight is that it wasn't just, hey, this is Floyd Mayweather's next fight, so you can watch. This, as far as the star-making moment is concerned, the pay-per-view buys back up the argument that now moving forward, Gervonta Davis is... All the nonsense about he's the face of boxing. I mean, that's... Stop it. It's just silly. But he is a bankable commodity. And I get it. Ryan Garcia is not nothing here. He's a very popular Instagram follow. He was part of it. But for Gervonta to have gotten, the numbers were there. He delivered the performance he was supposed to deliver. I think it absolutely backs up the idea that moving forward, as long as he handles his side of the equation and does not get in trouble, and then he presents himself as being a 
a a face of boxing type and a bankable star moving forward. I think that's a significant it that number really does back up the idea that this was a star turn for Tank Davis. So everything you just said uh perfectly goes into uh my next topic which was the pound for pound rankings coming out for boxing and that this these came to a surprise to me. Um I'm not really checking the pound for pound rankings in boxing as often as I should have. But uh the ring uh which is one of the uh outlets that goes into part with these official pound for pound rankings they moved davis to number 10 while espn still has him just on the outside i thought he was a one of those boxers because of his name and his yeah. social media presence that is solidified within the pound for pound rankings. and i asked that of al bernstein the other day and he said he thinks that he should be in the top 10 of the pound for pound rankings at this point and i you know again this is an awkward like if there's the point that we are giving him too much credence well the argument that we made by boxing types is he still hasn't fought the bit like Ryan Garcia was a a good that was the first big yeah, fight yeah so upon doing more research to talk about this i learned like the the belts that Gervonta holds right now are kind of second tier when when it comes to the tiers that they put belts on in boxing mm-hmm. like um within his own division uh Crawford and Stevenson they hold higher more esteemed belts apparently so, so Shakur Stevenson was campaigning this week for uh Gervonta Davis fight I think a lot of boxing people want the fight to be the winner of the Haney Lomachenko fight to be the next one. Um, I, I'll, I'll pull the curtain back. We already recorded our conversation with Calvin Ford. We had to do that a little bit earlier on. I tried posing it to him, and you know he didn't give me anything. He's you know, that's, and in fairness, it's not his call, right? Like he's a coach. He's whatever they say they're gonna do. He's got to get tank ready for whatever that he, fight's going to be if tank says go fight a, uh, i gotta go fight a drunk guy at the train station right correct get me, like all right get, all right give me ready Hold like, pads. Let's, let's go that's the way it works and I, you know i understand that and i respect that but you'll hear that here in a little bit as we talk with calvin ford um it, it, there is and again so much of this is clouded by whether or not he's going to have to serve jail time right like so much of the conversation about what's next is when will he be able to fight again and if he has to, if there has to be a bit of a delay, you could be scrambling, right? Like if if they say, hey, you're going to serve jail time, but it's going to be next year. Are you trying to squeeze in a fight just to get a fight in later on in the year to make sure you fight? And does that delay now significantly when you could have your next super fight? I think that it would be smart to at least once a year be fighting a significant fight. And whether that Stevenson would be a very significant fight, there's no question about that, or whether that's the Haney Lomachenko winner, I, I would hope that by next spring there would have been one of those fights again for Javante Davis. I would I think it would be very disappointing for him to go the route of just taking fights for the sake of the paycheck for the entirety of another year. I get it. I understand how this works. When you're a bankable commodity, you want to get some bank. And when there's when you can make some bank with little risk, it's beneficial to you. So, And if you're going to do that, I would encourage you to do that here in Baltimore. Like if that fight is going to be, you know, if you're just going to fight a slappy, I would encourage you to say, well, there's an arena now that you, you, you fought once at the crappy building. Now come fight again mm-hmm. at the nice building. Like I would encourage that to be part of the plans. But I would, I would hate for him to go a full year without another meaningful fight. I think that is also a poor way to capitalize on a star-making moment. I definitely agree. Yeah, he definitely should, like you said, because he fought here already when it wasn't 
when they didn't finish the renovation. Yes. Like, well, and they even started at that point. Yeah. It was just a, it was awful, but yet it was a magical night. And again, you he does not he fought nobody that night. He fight with Nunez in that fight. And I fight. feel like uh, uh, things that don't really necessarily uh, relate to boxing kind of influence those decisions. Like they built the casino down in that area as well since he's had that last fight. And things like that. I think the casino was already open. I think it was. At that Horseshoe point. was. I'm pretty sure the casino okay. was open at that point. That was only a few years ago. But Baltimore's efforts to build up the city and build up that area. Yeah, Top Golf well, is obviously yeah. open right. since that point, right? Like uh, now, again, that's a little bit further away from the arena. It's on the other side yeah. of the stadium. But I get, I get the idea. We'll make it of the more stadium of a, district, and and yeah. hopefully, what the, the Orioles might be doing in the future will add to that. Although, again, I got I'm still finding it very difficult to get straight answers about that. Like to know, hey, like where exactly are you planning on doing these things? Because there's a lot of businesses and the whole thing, um, which makes me think that it's an awkward answer because they're intending for some of those businesses to be gone, and I don't love that. But as long as everybody's made whole in the process, I don't know. We'll see. Point being, point being, yes, like there is. You're trying to make downtown more of a destination. You're trying to give people more reason to be there. The arena, the plan is to be more active throughout the year with significant events, not just indoor football games that were drawing 2,000 people or whatever it was. The plans for the arena is we want a lot of dates filled that at least on the weekends there's always something going on. Look, a lot, Dude, it wasn't for me, but a ton of people were at the Adam Sandler show last weekend at the arena. It had a huge crowd. They are very clearly trying to get more and more people downtown, at least on the weekends, and you know, doing another Javante Davis fight, especially if you're gonna be choosing to fight a slappy. Like, and they, look, that's what they did in DC. It it felt it felt like that was a hey, if it was an option to fight in Baltimore, we would. There was no arena to fight in, so they fought a slappy in December or January, whatever it was. And I think it was December. I don't remember. It was, was it January? It might have been. Mm. It was either. Yeah, it, it might have been literally the first Saturday of January. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when the year turned. Fought a slappy yeah. in D.C. And that's what it felt like was this was as close to home as I could be if I got to fight one of these slappies. If that's what you're going to choose to do is just take a paycheck fight, then do it in Baltimore because then at least it provides some value beyond. Like imagine just fighting a nobody in Atlantic City or whatever. And like, what the? For what reason? Mm-hmm. Or even fighting just for the sake of saying, well, we want to keep fighting. Oh, we want every fight to be in Vegas. Like, well, against Jack Jackson? Like, why? That's not a Vegas fight. Like, take that on the road. Take it somewhere. I mean, in fairness, once upon a time, that's uh, that's what uh, Lennox Lewis did when he took his fight to South Africa to fight some slappy named Haseem Rahman, and we saw how that worked out for him. <laughs> They went ahead and lost that fight. Hell, it's argument that's what Tyson did when he went to Japan to fight Buster Douglas. Was I'll just take it somewhere else in order to get some more cash out of it? And maybe the maybe what we've learned over the years is don't, don't go, go overseas. Yeah. Like whatever you do, do not go. Overseas. We all watch Rocky. Um, that is true, but I guess if if you have the opportunity to end the Cold War, then yeah. you can go overseas. But short of that, no, don't go overseas. Um, yeah, the uh, let me let me pull this up. The fight uh, was in 2019. Yeah, the, the casino was definitely open yeah. in 2019 against Ricardo Nunez. You know how much of a slappy Ricardo Nunez is? Uh, the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Of uh, Tank's last 14 fights, he's the only one that doesn't have his own Wikipedia page. Wow, <laughs> that's ir- how irrelevant Ricardo Nunez. Should fight that guy again. 
Uh, Bring him back. Sure, why not, right? Like Redemption a set up a, for set up a series in Baltimore <laughs> of Tank Davis against Nunez Ricardo Nunez Davis. Nunez. Baltimore too. It's, it's been a few years. Let's go beat Ricardo Nunez's brains in again. <laughs> Second round, and it was lucky. To, I I thought it was going to be the fight, the the co-main event from Saturday night, <laughs> where it lasted forty seconds, yeah. and it probably should have ended before that. <laughs> How did that ever happen? None of us care, so we'll never go into it. But that's a that's the when you start. Things that worry me about boxing, that fight happening on Saturday night is one of the most, because I knew nothing about it. I was completely unprepared. And all of a sudden, I look up at the screen and I say, does that say minus 3,000 for the co-main event? I know everyone simultaneously was watching the beatdown. was like, uh, uh, kind of turn away. And then it went, once it was over, it was like, oh, now we're to what we wanted to watch. Well, quicker. yeah, but it was. And you got 50 minutes. Until well, yeah, they had to vamp yeah. for a while because the fight was over so quickly. But yeah. you could. All, I was also very concerned because they were not putting the camera on the oh, dude that got his ass beat. I was like, is there a chance that someone just died in the ring? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, is there a chance that this was such an unjustifiable fight? Like, the funny thing, too, is the other guy was like, they were like, oh, he's undefeated. This reminds me that in the new Rocky movie. They let Jonathan Majors get a title fight despite the fact that he had never fought before. He knew Adonis Creed, dude. God. They grew such, up together. It's such an easy thing to fix. Yeah. Like somebody with a brain in the pro- like, like it's it's a good of enough of a movie that it deserved to not have such a huge plot problem problem. Like it's fu- as a movie, it's fine. The fight scenes are problematic because they were CGI'd and they were obviously CGI'd in a few situations. Although, again, some of the fight scenes were good. But the ones that were obviously CGI were problematic, and then that was a huge plot problem. Like, a massive plot His problem debut. that they never dealt with. They were just like, yeah, he's fighting for the title because that's a thing that we do. <laughs> they could have, yeah, they could have fucked some fights. Yes, they could have had him just take... Like in Creed 1. Even all, if it was a yeah, stretch. Yeah, all it takes is a montage. Yes, even yeah. if it was just a stretch where he only had, like, six fights. In a, in a month. Correct, <laughs> yeah, something like, like that. What, right, that's yeah. all you got to do in order to get there. It's not that hard, but they didn't bother to do it, and we're just like, eh, we're not dealing with that. It's any... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Me greatly. All right. What else is going? Anything else we want to say? Tank. Obviously, that's oh, the story. Oh, uh, with uh, I mean, anything Tank, else related? Uh, to Tank? He had a after party. Well, he didn't, but um, wins XS nice XS nightclub had an after party following, and it was basically all the A list celebrities who uh, attended the fight. They kind of flocked over to this uh, famous Las Vegas uh, nightclub after Conor McGregor, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Travis Kelsey. Michael Phelps, David Dobrik, Dixie D'Amelio was there as well. Mm, that's um, your girl, right? <laughs> How did you not get that invite? Yeah, I don't know. You I understand that if you would have just happened. sent one damn tweet, you could have been at the post-fight party. Do you understand that? I don't think I do. <laughs> one tweet is all it would have taken to let her know you're a national champion and you could go play putt-putt in Westminster. God, go to the Rainforest, ca- a nice dinner at the Rainforest Cafe. Where's the nearest one now? I don't know, somewhere, New Jersey. You, oh you wouldn't have taken Dick, old Dixie girl the night they drove old Dixie down? You wouldn't have taken her? The Dixie chick? You wouldn't have taken her to New Jersey for a lovely dinner at the Rainforest I, I Cafe? I this name. <laughs> Hop on the Amtrak. Go up to Jersey. Stupid. Idiot over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah. not going to send that tweet. The biggest name showed up to Diplo set at the... Uh, Vegas nightclub. Uh, Diplo set, which is not dip set. That's a different thing no, altogether. DJ Diplo. Yes, I'm aware of Diplo. And the one who got also a dip set. The one who clearly got the most carried away was uh, 
your friend uh, himself, Michael Phelps, somehow oh, ended my, with his my, my, some, my old buddy. Somehow ended with his shirt off uh, in the club. Uh, hey boy Mike. <laughs> still sporting the same ripped physique from his Olympic days. Good for him. Know. Good for him. Um, I got a picture of it. All right, we got we got to we got to move quick. Oh, we the, the other yeah. thing I had was just uh, I was just gonna talk about the main event. Pavlovich crush oh, yeah. blades. So we know. know John Jones is next yeah. opponent. Should as he beat long Stipe, as he beats Stipe, Stipe. will be Pavlovich. And and that's even, what it should be. I, okay. that's it's looking like this Stipe fight might not happen. Really? There's still, it's kind of in the air. And if it goes in the way where we don't obviously don't want it to happen, it's going to be Pavlovich next. What's the story? Um, Why is that fight? Maybe is it a contract thing? Or um, uh, it's. Not a contract thing. They're just two old individuals that can't. But, I, but what's agree the on. actual problem? John wanted to fight in the summer at first, yeah, but John now he wants to fight July. later in the year. Um, now they're looking at November, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, so I guess just the longer. It gets why put wouldn't off. they fight in November? I don't get what the. Pro- I think I think uh, Stipe is one of those guys who his where he's at on a day-to-day basis changes and he's already hard to reach so so he just doesn't want to fight anymore like yeah you, all right, whatever this is all right, whatever I'm, I, that's how it is can't even, it's really can't. how it is either way pavlovich looks like a machine okay and right. uh it'll be cre- it'll be all interesting right, we, to see we, how john we, beats him we got because <laughs> i know uh, that's what's gonna happen big uh there is a fight on saturday but it's not significant oh, no. right no not significant okay. um yeah didn't Right. Very good. This is the worst card uh, put I'll, I'll wrap fighting words. I'll wrap fighting words with it's not related to sport fighting, but there was an awful lot of fighting over the years on the Jerry Springer program, Ooh. and sadly, we have uh, Jerry Springer has passed away uh, at the age of seventy nine. This morning, so yeah, it, it, people don't know that he was once the mayor of Cincinnati, <laughs> like really? the host of the trashiest talk show in the history of television, was once the mayor of Cincinnati. Jerry Springer, he has passed away, and for a lot of people of a certain age, their afternoons were spent. With Jerry Springer, like, was a very significant part. And his security guy, who went on to get his own show, looked exactly like Cal Ripken. And so I remember there was a time where Steve Wilkos, who was a security guy, was at an Orioles game, and people were approaching him as if he was Cal Ripken. Like, straight shoot, because that's how much they looked alike. Yeah, so my memory just, like, it was ritual. Like, every other week, my dad would take me to the barbershop, and about around 3, 4 p.m., Jerry Springer, Maury Povich, every time I went. I, know, that's, for people that's of a certain age, it. the cultural significance of Jerry Springer yeah. was far more. I know Maury Povich and the Not the Father thing became a big deal culturally, yeah. but Jerry Springer was appointment. Like, it changed television, um, the, the level of trashy that they were willing to go to on the Jerry Springer show. Like, it was n- unlike anything we had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not, I'm not saying that's a good thing, a bad thing, whatever it was, but it absolutely made it a significant impact on the history of television. Jerry Springer has passed away. All right, uh, we still have a lot to do on the program today. When we come back in, we're going to chat with former Maryland assistant Grant Billmeyer, who's now the head man at NJIT+. Plus, Calvin Ford is going to join us before we wrap up today on a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? AJ Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grinder. Wait. Did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grinder or anything, I swear. On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Well, just earlier this week, we caught up with Tony Skin, who, of course, has taken a head coaching job now at George Mason. But he's not the only member of the staff at Maryland from a year ago to get a head coaching gig. Our next guest is now the new head coach at NJIT. He is Grant Billmeyer, and he is with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on your first head coaching gig. Oh, thank you. Um couldn't be more excited to be on today. It's been uh, it's been a crazy few weeks um, in transition, but um, really really honored to be the head coach at NJIT. We got a lot of work ahead of us, but we got a lot of really good things in place to to help us get this program going in the right direction. Yeah, you because know, there's something that you said at your press conference that really stood out to me. And of course, you're you're from New Jersey, so I know this has got to be kind of neat for you. But you referenced. The success at uh, St. Peter's and now Fairleigh Dickinson, a place that you had been at just a few years ago, um, and sort of said, why, why couldn't we be the next one? What, what exactly is going on? What's in the water recently in New Jersey? Like, what's been happening there that, like, there's been all this kind of wild, random success for programs? I, I just think the players from New Jersey and coaches from New Jersey, you know, they coach with an edge. Um, you know, I think you look at, Shaheen's teams at Seton Hall, 
um, excuse me, Shaheen's team that Shaheen Hall and how Shaheen's team at St. Peter's and how his Shaheen Hall teams are going to look. I think you look at, you know, Coach Danny Hurley at UConn, you know, how, how they all play with a major chip on their shoulder. Um, I just, I just think when you come from New Jersey, you know, you're not the New York City, you're not Philadelphia, you're kind of squeezed in between them. And a lot of kids from New Jersey get overlooked and they carry that chip with them all the way through college. Uh, I think it's, it kind of reminds me of how kids from Baltimore are, if I'm being honest with you, Coach. Like, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of that. I love, uh, I, I love being in the DMV. Um, I honestly say this, New Jersey and the DMV have the best high school coaches, um, and it's not even close. Um, terrific talent, you know, it c- c- comes out of the DMV. I mean, there's so many players we were on at the University of Maryland, and obviously there are going to be different players that I'll be recruiting here. But, you know, if you're getting a kid from the DMV, they're going to come in, they're going to have, you know, everything we're doing, terminology, and different defenses, and uh, understanding sets and execution, you know, they've all learned at the high school level where they're coming from. You mentioned uh, coaches from New Jersey. I hear that Danny Hurley guy seems like he's okay. I hear that he's he's not bad at this whole thing. Yeah, I, uh, I was playing at St. Patrick's. Um, Kevin, you know, I played for Kevin Boyle in high school, another head coach at Mount Bird Academy. D- Danny was over at St. Benedict's, and his father Bob um, was considered you know the great, one of the greatest high school coaches of all time. Yeah, he was at St. Anthony. So within a, a probably a fifteen mile radius. You had, you know, a guy coaching UConn, a guy coaching Mount Berta, I think won seven high school national championship, and a guy in the Hall of Fame. So that was, uh, those are some tough tasks back in the day. Why was this the right move for you, Coach? Like, you know, I think from the outside, people will say, NJIT, I, I, I don't know, what can you do there? But why, at this point in your journey, was it the right time and the right place for you to make this jump? Just because, it, you know, it, it's home for me. Um, you know, I have deep ties and relationships and, you know, when you're assistant, you're, you're constantly helping people out. Hey, can you, can you get this kid over for unofficial? Hey, can you bring my team to a game? And then you kind of take that major job and all the, you know, local high school people that you've helped out now, you know, they're going to try and help you out with their players. And, you know, they're going to have a little bit more influence on, on guys at this level, as opposed to, you know, guys at, at the high major level. Um, so I just think the support, and the local grassroots community is going to be very strong. I think our facilities are second to none. You know, I, I was blown away. I knew, you know, I knew they had an awesome arena. But once I got the chance to see the two practice courts, the weight room, the locker room, the training room, the film room, it was, uh, it was on the same par of where I've come from, Maryland. It's, you know, it was high major stuff. So they, uh, they have everything in place here to win. You know, there's so much talent around here, and there's so many good players still available where, you know, if you do want to recruit high school kids, there's a, there's terrific talent around here. He is former Maryland assistant, now NJIT head coach Grant Billmeyer. He is with us here on GCR. Uh, coach, from our perspective, I, I want to know how you guys did this this past season. Like, arriving when you did, not really being able to put together a true recruiting class, having to go to the portal, and yet competing – Winning basically every home game, getting into the NCAA tournament, getting the second round. Like, how did this happen in such a quick amount of time to have the amount of success that you guys had in one year at the University of Maryland? I, I, I think Coach Willer is an excellent coach. Um, 
you know, he, he prepares like no one else. His work ethic is ridiculous and, and his ability to get guys to buy in and just kind of change the identity of the program was done. And then, you know, you could buy an excellent coach with a fabulous fan base. I mean, I, I grew up watching college basketball and watching games on TV and say, man, I, I want to play in something like that. Um, obviously, you know, we got good crowds at Seton Hall, but yep. the University of Maryland's fan base and the Xfinity Center, I mean, that's that's stuff you dream about. And, you know, that's the place that's going to sell itself to recruits. Um, and I think he just got the right kids. You know, Jameer Young, Donald Carey, uh, Patrick Emelian, you know, he brought those guys in. Um, and, and out of that with Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, um, Julian Reese and Ian Martinez. It was just kind of like the perfect combination. And I've never been a part of a team, the collegiate level that has chemistry as the way these guys did this past year. It was everyone on the same page, everyone bought in and, you know, things didn't go well before the year before with coach Turgeon. And those guys came back with a chip on their shoulder. Donald Carey season obviously didn't go well the year before at Georgetown. And Jameer Young was coming from, you know, the mid-major conference USA level. So you combine the fact that everyone was kind of hungry, everyone was kind of getting slept on. And at the end of the day, you had 13 guys in the locker room that just wanted to win. And that, that's where the success of the season came from. You, you mentioned Coach Willard. Obviously, you guys are a little bit different. Uh, one, you're quite, quite a bit taller than he is, but – I, I, you signed up for two different kind of tours of duty with him over the years. What makes yep. him so special? Why is it that that he fits so seamlessly, that he connects, that guys want to be around him? Why is it you said, this is the guy I want to anchor myself to as I try to make my coaching journey and get to where I want to be? He, he, he's a great person to work for. Because he he sets the standard every single day and how a program should be run. He's uh, he's in early. He stays late. He's organized. He he adjusts. You know, I think that's one of the best thing about him. He adjusts from a year to year to a week by week basis, like no one like no one else. Um, his ability just to get the most out of his players, and you know, he he's not stubborn, and I think that's what makes him. So good. He, he's he's not. He doesn't get stuck on one thing, and he, he's great at saying, "All right, well, this is what we did last week, but we got to adjust because X, Y, and Z. Um, we got to adjust this." And he's always looking to reinvent himself and to find ways to, to to be different and to improve it for the greater good of the program. You know, you've been given obviously as a big man yourself. You're working with the big men. Um, what Juju Reese did and the steps that he took forward this season, and I know you were such an important part of that. H- how do you explain how he came into his own, probably playing more at a position that it, not necessarily the one that we thought that he wanted to play at the five? Like how how do you put into words the rise for Juju during the course of the season that you were working with him? I, I think it's very simple. You know, coaches can want it for players. But when players want it for themselves as much, if not more, than that coach wants it for them, I think that's when great things happen. And um, Julian loved the game. I don't think he realized how hard he had to work in order for him to 
achieve the success he had in the second half of the season. But once once he got to the point where he was texting me to work out early in the morning, and then he started combining that with small success, he wanted more and more and more. And we just kept working. We just kept trying to improve little things. And I think he became a very dominant center down low. And um, I, I think Julian's going to have a magnificent year. And he's one of my all all time favorite people. Like I, I absolutely love Julian as a person. My my kids are always going to be Julian Reese fans, and uh, I, I can't wait to see him have a monster junior year. That's really cool. That is really cool, Coach Grant Billmeyer, now the head man at NJIT, with us here on GCR. You know, Coach, obviously it's the opportunity to become a head coach. You mentioned being back home. Was there any small trepidation in you about what might be possible, that, like, you might be leaving at a time? You mentioned the season you guys had. You know what's coming in because you were part of putting together what's coming in. Was there any small party that was like, man, am I maybe going to miss out on, like, a shot to make a Final Four run if I make this jump? Yeah, no, there was, uh, you know, the University of Maryland is a special place. You know, we, we were living in Howard County. I'm sure you know is is a great place to raise young kids. Um, and, and it wasn't an easy decision, but at the same time, you know, it, it's when you when you're an assistant coach at the University of Maryland, it's never really going to be an easy time to leave there. It's always going to be, uh, you know, what well, we're going to have a really good team coming in. We got a good team coming back. I just feel like that's kind of how it was set up and. Um, I just thought this was too good of an opportunity to pass down, you know, being a job with a brand new facility with state of the art apartments, you know, being in a great recruiting location in a, uh, in, in a, in a league with really good coaches where, you know, I'm going to be challenged every day. So um, it, it, it certainly was, was a difficult decision. And one, uh, I had to do a lot of thinking on, I just, thought this opportunity was too good to pass up. I imagine you still think that even though like you're not going to be there, there's still a huge chance for Maryland to do exactly those things, though. Like it's not, it's not all going to come crumbling down just because there's no Grant Billmeyer, right? <laughs> no, Grant Billmeyer leaving Maryland will have no impact on the program. Kevin Willard runs that program like a machine. Um, you know, you got Mike Jones. I've known Coach Jones. Yeah. Since uh, you know, since his days coaching at the math in the early 2000s, I actually competed against him as a player. Um, and then Greg Manning is, uh, you know, he's, he's extremely well liked on that campus. Sure is. Has a great basketball mind and, and can connect with, with recruits. And more importantly, will be it is extremely tied in with all the current players. Can can so you the staff? Uh, this the staff will be tremendous next year. Can you speak to the preparation to be a head coach? Like it is kind of crazy that three of you that were on the staff a year ago, if we include Tavon Sadler, are all going to be head coaches this season. And we've made a lot of jokes about the Kevin Willard coaching tree, but can you t- explain like how are you maybe like you guys uniquely prepared for these opportunities because of your time around Kevin Willard? Yeah, you know, I, I think he learned from Coach Patino, and, and we learned from Coach Willard, and he gives his assistants a lot of responsibilities. Um, he gives a lot of his assistants a lot of responsibilities while still being extremely hands-on. Um, and I think, you know, the run that Shaheen Holloway had kind of said, wow, like, you know, this is the guy only in his fourth year. You know, he must have done a lot of stuff to run a program, to, to be involved in a lot of aspects of coaching. To, to you know, take a school like St. Peter's to the Elite Eight, that it kind of opened up the AD door to, all right, this is this is probably the guy we should be going after. 
uh, Donald Copeland got the Wagner job. Tony Skane got George Mason. I got this job, and then Tavon Sather got um, Nickel State job. So it's uh, you know it, it, it's certainly a good thing, and certainly it, it's great for the fan base because you know you're going to get those people right on the cusp of becoming head coaches that are going to be excellent additions to the staff and great recruiters and um, bring bring a lot of value to the program. They know if program continues to rise, you know they're going to get the opportunity. I think it's a it's an incredible story, man. It's an it's an awesome statement. I imagine you're probably still going to be wandering down this way for some recruits. I imagine the connections that you made during this year at Maryland are still going to be pretty beneficial to you moving forward. Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I I think you know I've always you know kept an eye on the WCAC and the Baltimore Catholic League, but I think now that I can tell recruits that you know not only am I head coach at NJIT, but I'm a former Maryland assistant. I think that will, uh, I think that will certainly get, you know, get the conversation going in the right direction. And then, um, you know, just spending on a lot of different factors will determine uh, where, where it goes from there. But being able to tell, you know, kids in the DMV that, you know, I spent time at the University of Maryland as an assistant, you know, they don't need to know it was only one year. But um, I think it's a certain respect factor, um, you know, the Maryland coaching staff and the DMV has for one another. Uh, it's. I, I think it's going to be beneficial for sure. Uh, no, no taking the kids that we really want though. I'm going to that. They, they can't. That's not acceptable. We can't be having that. That won't be our height. Um, no, exactly. Grant Billmeyer, uh, congratulations. Seriously, it's an awesome opportunity for you, and 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 really uh, appreciated the work that you put in. And I know how beneficial you were, not just for Juju, but for a lot of these kids. And the significance of what you did over the last year was noted. It was a special season. For Maryland basketball fans, it'll be remembered for a long time. Appreciate you hopping on with us this morning. Best of luck. We'll be in touch as you keep this thing going. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. I, uh, you know, I appreciate everyone out there listening. And you know, this, this year was truly an incredible. Probably my never had more fun coaching a team than this past year, and being around the fan bases and meeting the fans and the alumni, and really getting a chance to experience Maryland basketball. I remember as a kid coming to University of Maryland game to actually. You know, get a chance to be an assistant coach at the University of Maryland is, you know, it's, it's something I will remember for a lifetime. That's really cool. That's really cool. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Coach Grant Billmeyer with us here on GCR after uh, he is headed to NJIT. Um, well, during this hour, as we were talking, I, I apologize. I completely missed it, but some significant news for the Orioles. Joey Ortiz um, has been called up and. That's interesting because they definitely did not have to make a move. Taryn Vavra is the one that gets the axe, unfortunately, for him, and that's clearly for him a bummer. But it, it kind of just, to me, almost adds to the confusion of the situation, right? Like, Joey Ortiz is thought of as maybe the best of all of the prospects. We keep talking about the glut of prospects. Joey Ortiz is overwhelmingly thought of as the best of the defensive prospects. So what exactly are you doing with him now? Uh, I like guess. there's there's a part of me that says like, hey, I if if you feel like he's earned it, then he's earned it, right? Like I get that, but to do what? <laughs> it's, it's it's a good question. I, I, Is unless 
Unless I, there's something I, I we saw don't know, somebody, right? I know. I saw somebody say something about Austin Hayes. Maybe that injury being. But, but how I don't does know why Joey that Ortiz impact Austin Hayes? Well, if anything, you would want Frazier, full-time outfielder, I guess. Frazier becomes a full-time outfielder like, in the mix. Well, I mean, where are you going to put Ortiz? I mean, Ortiz got to play second. I, then, th- this and, is why it's confusing yeah, yeah, yes. to me. Like what you're going through is why I'm confused by it. Like I want to come off excited about seeing Joey Ortiz, right? Yeah. Like if if he's earned the call-up, he's earned the call-up, and he was hitting. 359 at Norfolk this season, so I get the argument that he earned the call-up. But he enters into a bit of a mess. There's already a question of whether or not you should have moved Mateo for Henderson. Arias is a better defensive third. Like This is a complicated deal that he is walking into. Again, unless there's something we don't know about one of the infielders. Like I, I, hopefully this isn't that like and there's been a hip flare up with Mateo or something like that. Um, it it sounds good, it sounds in, exciting, but yeah, I, it, to me it's it's also kind of as much of a complication at the moment as it is anything else. Which again, good good problems to have, I think. Right. Um, I, it was brought up by a couple people on Twitter that Detroit is starting three straight lefties, so. So, so you don't want to have Frazier in the lineup a lot, and then I guess that's the reason. That's got to be but the then, reason. Like, but then, like, but again, still, who's playing where? Ortiz is at. Uh, Arias just had four hits yesterday, by the yeah, way. Yeah, well, or, or Arias is playing third. I guess Gunner. Well, Gunner with Gunner, Gunner's left-handed, but it, Gunner will DH or. It's really confusing, man. Like, I'm really confused by it. Look, I will, I, I will choose to trust the decision maker, and maybe there's just something I don't know. But at some point, you actually have to address the issue. Like at some point, like there aren't spots for all of these guys. You got to figure it out. And if you're converting one of them, if if what is the Hayes story? Like, do we I know? I don't think there's an update quite yet. I haven't I haven't seen one. So that is significant. And I meant to bring that up at the top of the show. That's my fault that I forgot to mention it. Um, like, if he's gonna miss time, and he didn't play yesterday, he's dealing with that hand injury. If he's going to miss time then maybe it makes a bit more sense, but... <sighs> the Orioles are hopeful that like he'll be out of the day lineup. day for right now. Yeah. They're hopeful he'll be out of the lineup for only a few days. That was on Wednesday morning. So, or, okay, yeah, so we're saying Frazier plays in left field. Ortiz plays second? Yeah, I think that's what they have to do. I mean... Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying no. I'm, I, look... I'm not saying no. it's just, it's a question. It's not a or McKenna plays right field because yeah, Hyde I mean, hates putting lefties against lefties. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to make a statement as much as I'm just trying to like walk myself through it. Like this is this is the issue. This is the thing that was already an issue and the the value of Avra, and the point has been made. He probably wasn't gonna be playing this weekend anyway. So like maybe this is just a. We'll deal with it when we get the next week yeah, type of situation. It might be, yeah. We, maybe we don't see and, Ortiz and, at and all. Maybe it's not really a call up for Ortiz as much as it's a depth for a couple of days. You're we want to have you here because of the pitchers that we're facing, and then we'll deal with it again next week. It's less that this is Joey or like this isn't Joey Ortiz day. It's more just right now at the moment we think that you can be beneficial to us in a way that someone else couldn't. So you're here for the short term and then we'll deal with it when we deal with it. It was like when they first called up Vavra in that Cincinnati series yeah. and he like didn't play. Yeah. He had like one at bat or something. I don't and know. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Like it's certainly 
it's interesting, and we'll see how it plays out over the course of the next few days. But Joey Ortiz is now with the Orioles, is the point, at least for the short term. All right, uh, we are winding down. we got to get one more break in, right? Yes. A lot going on today. Really running behind. Hey, the print issue of Pressbox is available right now. And speaking of Joey Ortiz, it's all about the prospects that are still in the Orioles' pipeline. And that Jackson Holiday illustration is on the cover. So you can get this for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com as you dive into players that are still coming even beyond and by the way, Joey Ortiz is one of the players that is profiled in this print issue of Press Box. You can find it right there. Even beyond the arrivals of Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and Gunnar Henderson. So go get it right now. And while you're thinking about all of those prospects that are still coming, I would encourage you to go over to PressBoxOnline.com contests because you can sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. Plus an easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Pressboxonline.com slash contests. Tidbit, Tubular, and Calvin Ford on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Winding down on a Thursday edition of GCR, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, plumbing, home performance, and A.C. 
will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. All right, so the Heat trailed by 16 points when they entered the fourth quarter last night. They, they trailed were... by six with like, yeah. it's like, like a minute like, left, right? Something like that? Something, I think it might have been less than that. Right. It was it was crazy. Um, It was the largest comeback entering a fourth quarter in a series-clinching win in NBA history. Obviously, okay. Jimmy Butler, the game-tying, falling I, I backwards layup. I told layup. the guys before the show, I have been so exhausted. When we talk about not doing a draft show this week, I've just been exa- I mean, exhausted. On top of all of the other games that I had, I had my, my wife's birthday, and I threw a party for her and the whole thing. It was a milestone very birthday nice this week. So yeah. it's, been a, it's been a very busy week. And then, you know, I'm a parent on top of every, you know, that little thing. Tonight, the, the Exit 52 guys were like, hey, uh, what time can you do? And I, they were like, we, we're sure you got a million other things to do. I'm like, actually, tonight it's lacrosse pra- practice. That is the bigger issue that I'm dealing with. It's not really the draft that's as much of my concern as it is my my you know it's my eight year old's lacrosse practice this evening is what I have to work around. So. How are they doing? They're going to win a championship. Oh, this is this is big. <laughs> I was joking. I, I was doing a, a high school game the other day uh, at Spalding with my buddy Andrew Scally, and at one point there was just a prolonged ground ball, and he made a joke about like I didn't know that a scooper league game was going to break out, and I said <laughs> I am very comfortable with watching that level of lacrosse right now because it is what I see constantly. If you love one long ground ball, come out and watch my sons play lacrosse. If that's the part of lacrosse that you just love, is one ground ball that takes about three minutes. The fight. God, that is what you're missing from the uh, the the, uh, the league that my kids. There's more play. strategy in it than you think. They're, uh, they're if, trying to get if position. You, and... If you say so. Uh, so the Heat will advance to the second round where they will play. But, oh, yeah, I, pa- I, I meant to finish the story. I passed oh. out last night. So I, oh, I'm right. watching the Warriors-Kings game because of what everybody's excited about, and that series has been phenomenal. I tried telling you when they were down 2-0 that that series was not over, like not by a long shot. And I get it. Like They will rue Harrison Barnes missing that shot forever if they don't win game six. Like If they get knocked out, they will think about Harrison Barnes missing that shot forever in Sacramento. But – um, I'm watching that game, and all of a sudden, I'm looking up in the corner, and they've got like the score for the mic. Like, right. It's like okay, that'll be a game game six coming up, and then it, then it gets close. It's getting closer. <laughs> all right, now I got to figure out how I can flip over to the because again, it's a complicated process for me because one game's on NBA TV, and I don't have cable <laughs> any longer, and I don't do YouTube TV either. So I got to go from one app to another. It's a whole thing. So instead, I realized like, oh, I can just leave that one up on my TV, and then I'll just pull the uh, Bucks Heat game up on my laptop. Because I'm sitting on the couch doing some work, so I got my laptop on in front of me. I watch the entirety of the final, like the exchange in the final minute, where I'm like, holy crap, this is really happening. Like, this is legitimately occurring. I can't believe it. They're really going to overtime. I'm excited about it. The next thing I know, it is 1.15. And I am, over. I am waking up. <laughs> With my laptop sitting on my on me, like I had curled up in a way that it was like kind of on my legs. I'm like sitting there, kind of balled up on the couch, holding my laptop. Like, what the hell is going? I feel like I'm drunk. Like I feel <laughs> We've all like I can there. barely walk. It is a mess, man. I missed it. I did. Oh. I I missed. You missed Hemi Butler. I missed Hemi Butler. Well, I missed overtimes. That dude very well might be Michael Jordan's son. Like. I mean, legitimately. he's got he already has eight uh, postseason games of 40 or more points, which is tied for the most with Dwayne Wade in Heat franchise history. 
Um, and he ties the most points in a series clinching win with Dwayne Wade with 42 last night. I mean, he's he's uh, he's yeah, he's he's different animal in the playoffs. It seems really uh, they nice. will play the Knicks in the next round. Knicks won their first playoff series since 2013. Uh, that was the only series playoff playoff series they had won since 2001, which is the fewest of any team in that span. So the Knicks finally get a uh, little bit of little bit of hope in that, that <laughs> in series is just so inter- uninteresting yeah, Cavs just like, couldn't shoot the whole series i, I don't really want to make it seem like i'm da- like i think it, it's very impressive the knicks handle their yeah. business i just don't buy them as like a viable i mean yeah i don't know who wants to play the heat right now so like that's um, oh, the, it was had gabe vincent gabe vincent with the massive three last night for Miami. i was trying to think of who that dude's i'm like who is that guy when he hit the shot massive massive three to save them in the final minute like just a crazy game all right this was a fun one that i did uh last night it was i want to see if you guys can name the last first round pick for each nfl team the or the the last first round quarterback sorry i'm like what the yeah, heck? Yeah, for, yeah. but still for 32 teams I don't it, know it took me like have... five minutes last night when i did right, i couldn't right, i could get all, all right, but two on. we'll go we'll go team by team let's start we're, the afc east uh, all right. all last right, so last first round pick Josh. for Josh no, Allen, yes, for no. Buffalo. Correct. Uh, Miami Mac would Jones. be Tua. Yeah, Mac. Yep. And Zach, and Tua. Zach Wilson. Yep. Zach Wilson. Lamar. So we go to the north. Lamar, Burrow. Pickett. 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 Pickett for the Steelers. Yep. Should make you name the year, make it harder. And Baker Cleveland. Mayfield. Baker yes, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield in 2018, first overall. For the south. Uh, oh, Lawrence. Boy. Well, yeah, Lawrence for, yeah. For Trevor Lawrence to the Jags, 2021. Was uh, Davis Mills a first-round pick? No, he was not. No. Des- okay. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was the last first-round pick, 12th overall in 2017. Uh, Titans. Andrew Luck would be Indianapolis. That would be correct. Yeah, Probably Titans. might Malik change Willis? tonight. Should change tonight. No, uh, Malik no. Wills was not a first-round pick. Um, he went. Jesus Christ. Tennessee. Was it Locker? No, not, not, not Jay. They take a guy. Mariota. Yep, yeah, Mariota. Mariota. Number two overall in 2015. All right, the West, uh, Kansas City's Mahomes. That is correct. Might be the last time they ever need to take a first-round quarterback. Uh, uh, Herbert. Justin Herbert is correct. I'm trying to give sixth in, overall in 2020. In, in Carr. Uh, no, Derek Carr. What? Derek Carr was not. Not a first-round first pick. pick. Right. No. You're thinking of his brother was a first-round pick. Yeah, yes, Derek Carr was not pick. a first-round pick. Jesus Christ. Broncos is, is Paxton Lynch. That is correct. Paxton is it Jamarcus Lynch. Russell for Jamarcus the Raiders? Jamarcus Russell won overall in 2007, last time the Raiders took a quarterback in the first round. Oh, and then man, Paxton Lynch. One to the NFC. Paxton Lynch. God, Broncos. I forgot Paxton Lynch was yeah. a first round I thought you guys were going to struggle with that. Jesus Charles got it right away. Uh, I, I did forget he was I a first pick round pick. A I, I would have been, been rough. Prescott was not a first round pick. No, he was not. Dallas is, oh my God, Dallas's last first round pick at quarterback. That is way trickier. It is. Is it possible it's Aikman? It is It is indeed Troy Aikman in 1989, yeah. first overall, last time the Cowboys took Because the they went right TV. from Aikman oh. to Romo, and they went right from Romo to Prescott. So I'm not confident on the Eagles. I can't remember where Jalen Hurts He was not a first-round pick. Um, so their oh, last would have uh, been Carson, Carson Wentz. Yep. Yep. Carson Wentz, two overall in 2016. Washington, uh, RG3? Uh, Washington, no, not oh. RG3. In oh yeah, um, 2019. Oh god, they took this quarterback 15th overall. Dwayne Haskins. Thank you. Yes, it was Dwayne Haskins. Rest in peace. Um, and then Giants is Daniel Daniel Jones. Jones. Daniel Jones, 2019, sixth overall. Chicago's Fields. That is correct. Detroit is golf. No, No. sorry, I meant uh, Stafford. 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 Matt Stafford, number one. I made those two the same person. (laughs) 
Um, Green Bay love. Green Bay is love, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> big moment for you, huh? Uh, it would be bad. No way, it's Christian Ponder. No, I, okay. they took another first round quarterback at the end of the first round, the last pick of the first round ah, in see. 2014. The Vikings 2014. selected. End of the first Davis round. Webb? I don't know. No. End of the first Webb. round in 2014. The Vikings took Tavares Jackson. No. Yeah, I was like, no. They took this Christian. Louisville quarterback. They took Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, 32nd yes. overall. Yeah. That's pretty embarrassing for you, dog. I thought it was <laughs> pretty round shameful. Pick. I can live with myself. Oh, I can I, sleep no, at I, night. I, I thought it was a second round pick. That's on me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Atlanta, I guess, has to be Ryan. Yep. Third overall in 2008, Matt Ryan. And Carolina. Hmm. Is Carolina Cam- Newton? It is Cam Newton. That'll change tonight, presumably. Yes, presumably. <laughs> Cam Newton, number one overall in 2011. Man, their whole division's tough. Well, uh, Tampa's Jameis, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. 2015, Jameis was number one overall. To Boy, the Buccaneers. New Orleans. I didn't get this one. <laughs> wow, New Orleans. None of us were alive. Uh, Archie Manning? Archie Manning. Oh, the God. Saints took Archie Manning, Damn. number two overall in 1971. Yeah, because you start doing the history and you're like, well, I mean, part of it is that Drew Brees was just there for forever. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was clearly drafted by the Chargers, and you start going before that, like Aaron Brooks wasn't a first round. That's pick. what I was like, thinking. Yeah. Bobby Abair wasn't a first round. Like, God damn, yeah, it's really been since Archie Manning. That's crazy. That's not going to change tonight. Um, all right, so the West, San Francisco is Lance, I guess. Yep. Yep. Uh, Trey Lance, yep. number three overall in 2021. Uh, the Rams would be Goff. 2016 first overall pick, Jared Goff to the Murray in Arizona. Number one overall pick in 2019. This was the other one I did not Seattle, get. Seattle, wow. I Seattle might Seattle. be, Jesus Christ. Seattle could be Rick Meyer. It is. It is Rick yeah. Meyer. <laughs> 1993 was the second overall Man, pick Jesus. to the Seattle Seahawks. Jesus. I, yeah, last, I was uh, blanking on Seattle because I was like, all right. Those are the last 32 first-round quarterbacks right. taken by each team. There's a little bit, a lot of effort involved in that, a lot of time, but yeah, it's not bad. Not a bad game. Not a bad game. We've done worse things. All right, very good. Uh, Tubular is brought to you tonight by, is this uh, your local Toyota dealer? Do I need to do that again? I believe again? so, yeah. And like your local Toyota dealer, buy a Toyota. No, I did that with Grant Pilmeyer, but we'll do it again anyway. I'm a little bit well, nervous about you keeping time. track record. No, I did it earlier in the show. Oh. Um so we, we like them it. anyway, though. We'll yeah. give them another one. Your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota Toyota dealer today. This, it is a this quick marker read. marker is officially shot. Uh, it is a quick read, so if yeah, there is one that I missed. No, pressboxonline.com slash offers brings you tubular today. As you can bet. From your phone during baseball season in the state of Maryland for the first time ever, make sure you're taking advantage of all the great offers available to you through PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, including getting up to a $1,000 deposit bonus match and a $50 free bet from DraftKings. Again, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to take advantage of it. Um, busy evening, obviously the NFL draft on ESPN, ABC, and NFL Network. Round one gets underway tonight at 8 o'clock. And, again, I'll be hopping on with the guys from Exit 52 in their stream. 
And then KZ and I will be on Facebook on uh, Pressbox's page a little bit later on tonight. Orioles and Tigers open up their series 6.30 on Masson 2. Kyle Gibson, Joey Wentz. It's also on MLB Network in the rest of the country. Perhaps Joey Ortiz's MLB debut this evening. Uh, the Baltimore Blast begin their pursuit of a championship. It's uh, going to be streamed on Twitch as they take on Chihuahua in Game 1 of the Ron Newman Cup, which is their championship series. It's best of two, but it's really like best of three because if they're tied, they do like a mini game, I think, to uh, determine the champion. But that's tonight at 10 o'clock on Twitch. Masson Nationals Mets at 7. MLB Network has baseball throughout the day. Marlins Braves at noon. Cardinals Giants at 3.30. Uh, for us locally, Rays White Sox at 7 because the rest of the country is getting Orioles Tigers and Yankees Rangers at 9.30. ESPN Plus Mariners Phillies at 1. TNT for Game 6, the Celtics and Hawks. Can Atlanta, can there be more ice tray Coming through to force it back to Boston for a Game 7. Game 6 is tonight at 8.30. TBS Game 5 for the Lightning and Maple Leafs at 7. Kind of crazy how, like, all of the all of all the, the early hockey. round series are, like, still going. Is, yeah. Did one end? I don't think so because Boston lost last night, so that series is still going. I feel bad. Florida. I feel like they're all going on. I feel like every single one of them is still going on. Double check on that for me so I'm not a liar. Um, but, yeah, um, Lightning, Maple Leafs, Game 5, tonight at 7.00. ESPN 2 has got Rangers-Devils game 5 at 7.30, Jets-Golden Knights game 5 at 10. The USA Network for Newcastle United and Everton at 2.45. Golf Channel has round one of the PGA's Mexican Open at 3.30. Access TV for Impact Wrestling at Everyone's eight. still in it. That's wild. Yeah. Wild, man. All right. What else good? Some non-sports highlights? Uh, yeah, this is actually a busy night after being slow all week. James Corden, of course, it is the series finale of the Late Late Show with yeah, James Corden. I think Corden. I saw he's doing another carpool karaoke yeah, he's with doing Adele. Like a Dell. Probably I didn't yeah. even see who was in it, but it is a big carpool carpool Ooh. karaoke special. I, it's the at worst. Ten o'clock, like of all of the bad on bits, CBS. Is, it ranks up there with bad, like the the you downfall like the of karaoke? late night television can be tied directly into carpool karaoke. Again, it wouldn't be the worst idea if it didn't involve. This is the, it's the same problem they have with Jimmy Fallon. Good ideas that they think they need to inject Jimmy Fallon into. What made late night television great was you could do some of those things. Like, the performance could just stand on its own. The host didn't have to be a part of it. Carcoal Pool Karaoke is a semi-decent idea, but no one needs to hear James Corden sing along. You have the greatest artists in the, on the planet performing. Let them perform. Why ruin it by throwing in someone who's not one of the greatest artists on the face of the planet? And that's the problem that they've had with the Jimmy Fallon show the entire time because it's just supposed to be some – you can get – tell me you're less likely to watch the video if James Corden isn't singing along. I've never understood why these like late-night producers don't get it. You don't need to inject the host into everything. It's okay. This is what made David Letterman so good. Just let Darlene Love come sing. She's a genius. Create moments. Do things that are a little bit different. They just say, here's more James Corden, and he's singing now. And I say, I'm good. I'm good. And I like some of the performers that have been involved with it, but I don't need any of that. Does zero for me. A lot of people think he's a talented guy. God bless him. He can be as talented as he wants to be. Right. One of the worst films of all time. (laughs) Uh, So on his final show, he will have Harry Styles and Will Ferrell. Um, I don't know if that's anybody cares. 
Chris Pratt's going to be on Kimmel after the draft on ABC um, because Guardians comes out next week. And then speaking of David Letterman, there's a show on the CW that premieres tonight at 9. It's called 100 Days to Indy. It's like an Indy 500, an Indy car drive to, drive to survive okay. kind of series. And David Letterman's going to be part of it, I guess, like narrating well, he's a, or something? He's a car owner in IndyCar, so that makes oh, sense. Oh, yes? Okay. Yes. Um, there's he's a movie. He's, he's very entrenched in IndyCar racing. Uh, there's a movie on Netflix that comes out, A Tourist's Guide to Love, and this one looks, uh, it's like the, just the perfect quintessential, you know, romance okay, m- movie. Uh, highlights. We got, it's 12. Uh, we still have Travel reporter gets assigned to Vietnam, and she falls in love with her Vietnamese guide. And okay. The trailer looks okay. incredible, because okay. then her old boyfriend comes back, and she shows I, up in I, Vietnam. Remember what I just said about highlights? We got to get the Calvin highlight. Ford. No, we have to get the Calvin Ford. It's already 1230. Come on. I like this. This movie, I won't stop. Really something do my bit on something this movie. that matters. Uh, Love and Death series premiere. I said on something HBO that matters. Max, HBO Max. Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons. It's a so oh, she's right. maybe maybe that matters. Yeah, and know. so she's uh, it's based on Candy Montgomery. Uh, I think it's a true story. Right? It is a true story, and uh, she's like a you know a Texas church going lady, and she has an affair with Jesse Plemons. Ah. Yeah, and of but all then, the people then, to choose to have know, the affair exactly, with, exactly. That's what I was Fat like. Damon is the guy. Um, but then We're Jesse risk Plemons, it all for Fat Damon. Jesse Plemons' wife shows up murdered with an axe, oh. and everyone's like, "Oh well, uh, probably this, yeah, yeah. It's the girl that she yeah, he's got a guess, affair right. with." Um, so this is the story of that. And if you're saying, "Didn't this show come out last year?" You'd be 100 percent right. It was called Candy, and it came out literally a year next a year ago next week on Hulu. With the same with people? The, no, different people. Oh, it's right, just right. you're spending too much time on Jesse, this. We gotta go, Griffin. You're sp- you're making me think too much. Um, this one actually started pushing right, come first. Come on. Um, and then th- those are the highlights. Love and Death on HBO Max. Thank you. Thanks today. It's a highlight. Thanks to Bo. I at least like Fat Damon. <laughs> never heard Fat Damon before. No, I never heard him. It's like when, when Jesse to Plemons broke on the scene, the scene. That was all, and I felt bad for him because he's like he's a fairly. He was great in Jungle Cruise. You saw Jungle Cruise. Of course, I saw Jungle Cruise. Nothing to say. My favorite ride at Disney World. That's what you're going to. You're not gonna. You're not gonna turn to Breaking Bad when you talk about Jesse Plemons. You're going to go to Jungle Cruise. That's what you most in most recently. Yeah. I I have to find a different line of work. <laughs> I well, I immediately I immediately thought like Mike to be honest. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know if that would be where I would go first. Again, I think that, that was the first most recent thing I, I saw would turn Jesse to Breaking Plemons Bad. Is what you most the recently Greatest did. television show in history. Jungle Cruise he would was, be where I would go. The scene. Where he murders uh, what's his face's girlfriend while he's watching from the car is one of the craziest scenes in television history. But no, we'll go to Jungle Cruise and like Mike. Put on a good performance as the villain, the Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt in Jungle Cruise. Just thanks to no one today. I hate this. It's a good show. Thanks to Bo. Thanks to Mace. Thanks to Grant Billmeyer. Thanks to Chase McDermott, to Calvin Ford, who you're about to hear from. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. It's not so good today. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Stan will be here tomorrow. We will recap the draft. We'll also make our first trip of the season to Delmarva late in the show tomorrow. But, obviously, it'll be a largely draft conversation tomorrow and to be determined based on what happens tonight. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. 
Thanks to Charles at charles.ap28 on Instagram. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass on Twitter. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go birds. Go blast. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show. Conversation we had to have a little bit earlier on, but it was a pleasure to catch up with Javante Davis's coach, Upton Jim's own Calvin Ford right here on GCR. Well, what a pleasure it is to be joined now here on GCR again by a man who I am to understand is still out in Vegas after an unbelievable Saturday night where his guy, Gervonta Tank Davis, defeated Ryan Garcia. You know him from the Upton Gym. He is one of the most fascinating stories in Baltimore sports history. He's Coach Calvin Ford, and he is with us now here on GCR Calvin, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. Congratulations, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Dude, I, I want you to take me back a few years. Obviously, I think a lot of people are familiar with your story and the opportunities that you've had in your life now to impact young people. When you first came across Gervonta Davis, could you have ever imagined that you guys would be headlining and winning a massive one-plus-million-dollar pay-per-view fight out in Las Vegas all these years later? Nah, man. It's like I'm still trying to pinch myself, but, you know, we just work hard and just stay focused. You know, a lot of kids have a lot of opportunity to be anything. He stuck with the path. He stuck with the fold. He listened. He put the right people around him. The sky was the limit. Went in there and did his job like he was doing when he was an amateur. I mean, it's unbelievable, this story that you guys have carved out together. Can can you just sort of take me through, like, Calvin, for you, when? When did you know? Like, when did you have the feeling of, dude, this kid is special, and when did you realize that special wasn't just he was good, but, like, he might be a world champion good? Um, Like, all the kids in our gym is, is special. It's just based on what turns and what straight lines that they got. But with him was his dedication. When I was in the gym every day, he was in the gym every day. Um, the conversation that he had with my son, um, Kadir, before he went back to Jersey and got killed, I don't know what that conversation was, but I know my son told me, just told me I'd be a good role model for him. And we just been together with, with each other and for each other since. And um, that's the bond. That's the bond that we created between us two, and it's been that way ever since. Yeah, what a partnership it's proven to be. What, Kevin, what has it meant to you? Again, I, for people that aren't familiar with your story, you had your own share of trouble in your life. Um, I, we, well, s- we, see, we see what it means for Tank, right? Like we get to, but for you, can you describe the, at this point in your life what it means to you to be having these types of moments? Um... Man, I'm, I just look at it. It's just, you know, uh, a situation that my Lord put me into, you know, to reach out to some of the youth that's going through, you know, different changes and let them know that it's going to be all right and that anything is possible if you put the right people around you. And um, basically, I kept the right people around me. Um, and, you know, I'm still on a mission. That's how I just look at it, you know. And uh, Devontae is the forefront like to let everybody, especially in Baltimore, know that you know all this can come from rough 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 times mm. and whatnot it's just what you do at the end of it or how you come out of it that's so important calvin ford i know you're still very involved in, in with rise and how important that is to you we'll remind people about that in a second calvin ford with us here on gcr 
Um, Calvin, I, what you just said resonated with me a lot this weekend. I had a lot of people talk about that. The entire world was watching. And look, you know, Tank has had his ups and downs as a person. You've had your ups and downs as a person, right? right? How important mm-hmm. do you feel like that lesson is? And how much do you feel like you've been able to convey that and that you see young people, in, not just in Baltimore, particularly in Baltimore, of course, uh, but around the world recognizing that, that you guys are stories of what you can o- overcome and achieve? Right. Um, well, right, right how I look at it, right, we think, you know, because I still travel with the amateurs. And uh, when people and kids come up to me and tell me Javante is their favorite boxer, and then the main thing is coaches that's actually doing the same thing that I'm doing, and they let me know that we are inspiration to them to give them hope because um, boxing is changing, you know, and everybody jumping ship, not staying with their day one and all types of stuff that's going on. So what I try to do is let them know is, and then Tank, he even says loyalty is big. You can't teach nobody loyalty. It has to be within their self to actually do it, you know, and we all, we family, you know, we're going to go through ups and downs, downs and ups is at the end of the day, we keep choosing each other. And that's how I look at it. We keep choosing each other. That means, that means we care about each other, hmm. you know, and um, we've been choosing each other. Tank always sit there and say, I've been winning with my team. I'm going to win with my team. I'm going to lose with my team. And that's what, how it's been. You know, we just go through the ups and downs and downs and up of being together, being a family, you know. None of us perfect because if that was the case, we wouldn't be here. So they just lessons for us to learn how we're going to, you know, deal with things and be able to tell our story to someone. Man, it's a powerful testament, man. It's a really powerful testimony. Uh, you're, can you can you just describe what it's like to look around a 20,000-seat arena in Las Vegas, though? Like, that moment? Can you... Because you guys have had big fights, and I was there, obviously, here in Baltimore, and you've been in D.C., but we know this one was different. Like, we know this one was the one. Did, did you allow yourself a moment to soak it all in? Were you too invested in, you know, the fight itself? Did you allow yourself a chance to be like, wow, th- we're really here? No, I just stayed invested and stay on top. I mean... Stay on top without... Stayed on top of what I was doing and staying focused. I knew how important this was to the city, everybody that's behind us and everything. So I just stayed focused. Did you ever worry at all? Like, I, you know, this was such a big fight and everybody kept talking about it. But quietly, did you know all along, like, yo, this kid has no chance of taking out Tank? No, I wasn't a thing. Anything can happen in boxing. Anything can happen. That's all I got to do is just keep take focus and uh, make sure he just stick to the game plan. When uh, when he hit the shot to the liver, did you know immediately, or were you as caught off guard by the rest of the world was? Say it again. When he hit the shot to Garcia's liver, did you like know immediately? Oh, he's not going to be able to walk that oh, yes. one. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. I knew that automatically. That was that was the shot that you can't get away from. Right. The re- See, the rest of us didn't get to see it cleanly, so we had no idea. We're like, "Yo, what the hell's going on?" But you immediately, you were like, oh, no, that, it's, that, that's it. I'm back. Okay, no worries, Calvin. We completely I'm, I'm, I'm at the airport. Give me one second. No, I get it. Calvin Ford is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio after Javante Davis beat Ryan Garcia. He's getting ready to head home from Vegas, and we're looking forward to having him back here in Baltimore, of course, at the Upton Gym. 
We got you, yeah, Calvin. I'm back. No, you're good, man. Yeah, we back. understand how this works. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, so 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 much is made about what's next, right? Like in a in a perfect world, what would you like to see Javante do next? Well, there's only one guy. It has to make it have to make sense to the public, um, and to the fans. You know, I already know. At the end of the day, I can want what I want, but I have to make sure Tank is in line what we need to be doing, and he has to be the one to sit there and say, no, that's what we're going at, because it's three components that we are working on, the fighter, the family man, and the businessman. Hmm. We already know the fighter, that's Tank. We already know the family man, that's Javante, his kids. Then we're working on the business side, you know. So um, as you just seen this week, the the torch has been passed when Floyd said absolutely. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then it's a new era for the youth that's coming up. And um just gotta wait and see what makes sense to the team, what makes sense to him, and then we go from there, like we've been doing. You, you mentioned, you know, the family man, and it's something that I was talking to Leonard Ellaby about just two weeks ago, because we know obviously you know, it, the next thing maybe for Tank, he's got to deal with the with the legal issues. And Leonard said to me, I've never seen Tank as focused as I have in recent weeks. Can you put that into words and everything that he's been through? Because I think a lot of people have said over the years that maybe the toughest enemy for Tank is going to be himself. Can you put into words where you believe he's at personally and handling his business now, as you mentioned, as being the, you know, for a lot of people, the face of boxing moving forward. Well, like I said again, I'm, I'm a prime example for, for, for anyone that came from that situation. I said, this ain't going to do, but at the end of the day, what lessons that you learn from it? And he learned a lot from it. Um, I look at it as these lessons that he learned that's going to mature him to be the man he's going to become. Um, at the end of the day, that he just, you know, stay focused on himself, his family, um, his Lord, and, and let it do what it do. You know what I'm saying? Because if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's meant not to be, it's not meant to be. But um, all the things that's happening to us is, 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 is where we're supposed to be. It's a bigger message that we have to send to the youth. You know, and I always tell Tank to try to be, that that champion, you know, you had um, Ali was the greatest, you know, Floyd was Money Mayweather, you know, and I told Tank I want him to be that youth champion, be the, be the champion for the youth because, you know, you got to give the youth something to give hope to that, you know, like, man, if he did it, I know I can do it, and give these stories to him, you know. Let him know that, you know, you won't go through trials and tribulations in your life, but at the end of the day, it's what you do when, when you come out of it, how you do it when you come out of it, how you deal with it. You know, we have a lot of great champions went through a lot of stuff in their life, and it still didn't, it still didn't make them no different than what they are now. They're still great, you know. We're just human beings that's trying to just, you know, pass, pass through this system that they have in front of us and, and try to be a good citizen at the same time. I think that's all you can ask for, right? I think that's really well said, Calvin. I think that's all you can ask for from someone. Uh, how about the fact that, like, every single Baltimore athlete, how about, like, Odell Beckham coming out there to see you guys and my my guy Tyus Bowser hopping on a flight. Ray Lewis mm -hmm. is out there. Yeah. Right? I know Lamar yeah, hosted that. an event at his restaurant. Like, how cool is that for right. you 
how invested other legitimate superstar athletes are in what you guys are doing. They understand the truth. I always sit to make the statement, let the truth be told. And when our stories, our real true stories come out, you'll see it's the trials and the tribulations and everything that is hope. It's hope. It's hope. When I talk about Baltimore, I'm just not talking about Baltimore, but Baltimore, I always say, this, you got to get your own house in check first before you talk about anybody else's house. You get what I'm saying? So right now, I'm just being there for my youth, guide them, give them hope, give them something to look forward to, and, and don't look back. Just keep it moving. T- tell everybody that doesn't know about what you guys do with Rise. So Rise is a nonprofit that we have in place to help the uh, underprivileged athlete that can't do certain things we help them get to tournaments um we clothe them um we do mentorship uh, with them anything or any resources that we have in our control that we can help anybody with that's what we do and whatnot and uh, the situation that happened this weekend it really put us in a good good place because then we have a bigger voice to actually say we know what we're talking about that's awesome. I mean, I think it's incredible, and I, I, it's something that we talk about, and you've talked about it with Tank, we've talked about it with Truck over the years, we've talked about it with a lot of guys, that it is a perfect way for you to cha- channel what it is that, you're trying, that you've been going through, the difficulties of growing up here in this city, and we all know some of that, um, to take it and say, hey, let's channel it in the healthier way, let's channel it in the yeah. ring. Um, it's, it's a powerful thing that you guys are doing. Riseinc.org, if you want to find out more, and R-I-Z-E, riseinc.org, uh, about what the coach and, and, and his crew are doing for young people here in Baltimore. And I guess we should mention, too, it, Truck got a big win on Saturday as well, right? Yes, he did, man. It was, it, you get me emotional. Just see him back in the ring with everybody, and, and, and that can't mean it so much because they was the guys that first started around Tank. And he brought them all in. He brought them all in and said, they said, yo, we're going to do this together. And, man, they put on a hell of a show, man. They put on a hell of a show. Um, and um, people would sit there and say, man, y'all got some strong guys. Y'all guys are serious. I said, y'all don't understand. We're fighting to make a difference. We're fighting to make a difference. Man, uh, it, was a, it was an unbelievable moment for uh, Baltimore on Saturday night, obviously. Calvin, I – Congratulations. Um, I don't think we say it enough. It's an unbelievable story for you and for this partnership that you found with Tank. Uh, we continue to hope for wild success for him, for Truck, for all your guys that are coming up moving forward. We can't wait to see what's next. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes for us, and congratulations again. Thank you. I appreciate you.